This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am here with Patrick Castles. Hey, Pat. Hey. For what I believe is our fifth, I think, no an, way. A, an annual tradition is not knowing how many of these we've done, um, but we just had the five-year anniversary of the podcast, and I don't think we did it year one, but I think we've done it from year two on, I think. Right. So it's the fourth or fifth or something-ish summer movie review, but... This year's a little different for us. Because Five years, and that's 11 Fast and Furiouses, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly... <clears throat> that's right. Three came out this summer. Yeah. Well, they did re-release that one. Anyway, uh, we, uh, we're doing things a little differently this year. Just because, like, uh, I, we, uh, Pat and I actually have not seen that many of the summer movies, and a lot of them that we have seen, I think we're kind of unenthusiastic about... Uh, not even like negatively, like we didn't like them. I think just like positive or negative. Like I saw the Jungle Book; it was pretty good. Like I've got no idea what to tell you about the Jungle Book. Like yeah. I, it's, I know I remember enjoying it. Like I can't really. I, I'm just not that excited to talk about it. So I thought to supplement the episode, and this is just an idea I had on the way here. Um, I saw this mad scientist Whoa. having a garage sale just right here in Williamsburg. Oh man! And I got this device he was selling. I don't know. It's just it. It kind of looks. Um, so I know you can't see it at home, but it kind of just looks like a ball of wires and switches, and there's like this red LED, uh, red LED thing, you know, with yeah. like numbers on it, and then there's just this big red button. So I yeah. I mean, are you? I don't know. It sounds it seems dangerous, but you're. It's your podcast, so I'm along for the ride. It could kill us, but I'm along for the ride. I'm gonna go ahead and press the button. Okay. Whoa! Now, I know you guys can't see this at home, so what you might not realize is Pat and I have just traveled through time. The year is now 1996. We are still, for some reason, recording a podcast. No one will hear this uh, until podcasts are invented in 2019, Uh, but we're still going to do this. We're going to record a a summer movie review for the 1996 summer movies. Oh, excellent. And I know you guys... Now I'm on on firm footing. This is my my sweet spot. And I know you guys can't see this, but Pat and I have actually traveled back in time to 1996 now. Uh, Everyone's wearing uh, choker necklaces. Yeah. uh, Everything's radical. Yeah, there's Skechers ads everywhere. Uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Clinton is in the White House. Clinton's running for the White House, actually. And uh, let me tell you what was in the theaters. It starts with May 10th and the release. This is 20 years ago, 1996. And I don't. We should. Oh, well, it's clar- the present now. Yeah. But by the time people hear this, I guess I. I guess I, people. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll bury this in a time cap. Forget it. Forget the sci-fi thing. We're just talking about 1996 movies. I. We should be clear. I did not know we were traveling through time. I have no idea what movies you're going to mention right now. Well, I mean, I know. Th- you, you, had, you had a sense there'd be some time traveling, but you didn't know what our destination would be. Probably because of this red, uh, uh, the red LED going, thing was hard to read. Yeah. So you don't know what, like, so you were alive in 1996. I'm sure you saw, oh, we should find our former selves and tell them what movies to see and not see. No, because if we touch each other, um, we'll either have pass out if it's Back to the Future 2 style or become a giant blob like Ron Silver in... Uh, Time Cop. But what, what's your like, favorite movie? What's the pop culture equivalent of that? Like, what if I forget to like if I warn myself to never see Time Cop? Will that change things? Yes, because then you 
Well, it seems like it's even one of those like term. It's one of those like Terminator and every other sci-fi movie paradoxes, right? Right, you, right. Why right. would you be back in time if you didn't care about movies? All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. 1996 Jeff was doing on May 10th, or that weekend anyway. He was going to see a movie called Twister. Twister oh, came wow. out May 10th, 1996. Really memorable movie, right? What do you remember about Twister? I remember I saw Twister at a uh, at a drive-in movie theater. My dad. Oh wow, yeah. that's like there must be a drive-in movie theater destroyed within Twister. No? Oh, it's a very famous. Yeah, I think I think like yeah, it, I think it actually I think I think the movie playing in the movie is like another disaster, like an old fifties movie. But you know, it's like a, a right. cheeky Spielbergian joke. He he produced it, but right. I remember that being like post Jurassic Park. It was kind of like post Jurassic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big special effects movie. Yeah, it was like special effects are a thing now. You know, it's like you can go. Yeah, it was like it was kind of. I think when maybe it was the first big special effects movie after Jurassic Park. Well, no, I think Jurassic Park's like ninety four though, right? But the tw- I know the special effects were a big part of it. Yeah. Also, somewhat tragically, I remember the Twister the ride being postponed because of real twisters happening. That's not to immediately go. <laughs> Wait, we can warn them. <laughs> um, you know. I actually went back and watched the trailer for Twister. It's kind of funny because, like, even trailers from 20 years ago are from, like, another universe. It's, like, a totally different grammar and just everything about it. And Not as artful, right? They're right. just kind of more like, here's what the movie's about. Yeah, and there's much more narration. It's almost what you think, like, movie trailer parodies are basically yeah. still parodying movie trailer style for 20 years ago where someone's like, in a world. We're blah. Like, they don't like, do that yeah. anymore, but they do that 20 years ago. It's like every, when you, when you watch, I think I tweeted, I tweeted, uh, I, I, but Josh Rubin, who's our friend, who sure. listeners probably know, maybe sure. as a funny, anyway, really wonderful funny person, yeah. But very funny. Comedian. He does really funny parodies of. He does really funny impression of a trailer narrator, and I'm like, when you listen to old trailer narr- na- trailers, it sounds like Josh Rubin is doing the narration, right? Well, the Twister trailer was actually pretty good because it does this thing, which is pretty unusual. But I, I actually saw recently again on I think the Lights Out trailer where the trailer is like a mini scene. And there is a little bit of that. It's like, when Mother Nature lets loose or whatever. But most of the trailer is just actually the opening scene, like the Helen Hunt flashback to when she's a kid. You know, and they're like, as I'm... I mean, I did watch the trailer pretty recently, but Twister's a little foggier. But as I recall, it opens with this scene where Helen Hunt and her family and, like, the house is destroyed and it, like, you know, she develops a lifelong love of Twisters. And the trailer's, like, mostly that scene. Is it love or hatred of Twisters? Fascination with. And then the other thing about Twister that I feel like is worth uh, mentioning about Twister, even 20 years later, is that supporting cast. I mean, you got Bill Paxton. All the Tornado Chasers. And Helen Hunt. But all the Tornado Chasers, you got... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mm -hmm. Jeremy Davies from Lost and Justified, and what else is he from? Uh, I know you're you're a big Davies head. uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Um, Ryan. Lost, of course, yeah. You said Sons of Anarchy? No, was he that? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. But But yeah, everyone knows. You've seen him. Jeremy Davies. Who else is on that that crew? Um, Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, yeah. From uh, Ferris Bueller. Um, Todd Field, who who was in an actor, but he also, he's an Academy Award winner for um, In the Bedroom. Right. And some other stuff, too. He became a very, very successful writer-director, uh, even though he started as an actor. And the thing about Twister, and I don't think we can really stop this long on all these movies, because no, we, no, we got to get back to the present. There's more, too. We're like leaving. Oh, Joey Slotnick. Oh, Joey yeah, Slotnick. Yeah. The single guy's Joey Slotnick. Yeah, yeah. I think me, you, and Amir are the only people who know Joey Slotnick by name. I think Amir kind of like pointed out who he actually was, and now I see him everywhere. But that's all like just really, really strong supporting actors. I mean, Hoffman yeah. alone is like... You get some points for having him totally. in, your, in your supporting cast. The thing about Twister is even 20 years later, that like, 
cow, sh- the special effects hold up pretty good. And that cow, like the cow flying through, like you could parody that in a movie today and everyone would know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. Really? And that's kind of what is really interesting when you look through some of these movies is just like, even if you can't remember the movies, there's like individual scenes that like at the Oscars when they do like a hundred years of cinema or like 50 years yeah. of action or whatever, like that shot's gonna be in that montage. Or if Shrek's or Scary Movies existed in 96 there would be a cow, flying cow moment. Totally. It'd be like on the poster. Yeah. Do you think, is it me, or are there less like moments like that from the last 10 years of cinema? Huh. That's a really good question. Like, What's like the most iconic like individual scene shot? Like, I feel like none of the Marvel movies have that. I'm thinking of Marvel movies because that's just what I'm always doing. 99, Matrix, Blair Witch. I feel like you're gonna see, you could still see some... Ma- I still see bullet time things and like, sure. not great comedies. And like, the, the, the Blair Witch shot of it really close on her face and like you know the booger kind of coming out. And that's then, really not what you're supposed to remember, but like the shot of her close and her just Even crying. like Lord of the Rings, which is awesome... Yeah. Not you, no one. Re- that's not nothing really. Like you, yeah, people, nothing really. I feel like is Gandalf like, riding in. That's a thing. And I saw just the general fantasy shit in general. Yeah, when I, I mean, when I watched that Game of Thrones, the Jon Snow battle recently, and uh, that was spo- so good. We can't get into Game of Thrones, but you know, know, the end of it. I'm. Do I have <laughs> to right. say spoiler? Like, you either watch it or you're not gonna. I guess at this point. But uh, at the end, when Littlefinger shows up, like yeah, yeah. I, I was like, this is the Gandalf scene, which mm-hmm. probably has like precedent before that but i do think of that that gandalf scene's very iconic well, he, that's you know, more of a like, that's more of like a, a an, um, it's m- almost more copying like a a, a sort of tr- like a moment a, a, a sort of general uh, it's part it's copying a more general kind of yeah. emotional thing as yeah. opposed to like one specific style i guess i can't think of one why right why, now is it I want to blame the internet, but that's just because I'm old, and that's what I blame. It everything seems like for. the internet would make them more famous because they'd be like a meme or something, you know, and like it'd be parodied, and it'd be like a gif, it'd be like a gif response. Like the most individual moment is probably it's probably like some gif of like Robert Downey Jr. like smirking. I also can't think of anything past Marvel movies <laughs> at the moment. Funny. Like, what would it be from if it's not from a Marvel movie? Uh, this is gonna sound so stupid, and maybe I'm maybe it was just cool in our little bubble but the inception noise kind of I was a- thinking inception actually <laughs> I was thinking inception like there's a lot of inception moments um a lot of moments from inception that I feel like are very iconic you know that's a very unique movie that I think will be remembered for a while um even that movie's we- almost 10 years old already right what's We're- that inception's yeah. what 2007 or something 2008 9 we well, were yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's fun to think Inception's almost halfway between us and Twister at this moment. All right, let's keep that question in mind. I do want to come back to it. It's an interesting question, but let's keep moving because this next, that actually, this oh, sure, conversation sure. actually oh, man, segs. I'm sorry we can't talk about Twister more. This we is going to be painful. About Twister more. No, 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 no. But I, I got just, a great segue here. Because other things, Paxton, oh, yeah. when Paxton was headlining a, a big blockbuster movie, sure, those sure. were the days. Helen Hunt, mm-hmm. we need God, we need more Helen. Helen Hunt, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you are. <laughs> be in more movies because yeah. the world misses you. Yeah. Um, also, also, I would say Twister did for like Storm Chasers what like you know I don't know The Matrix did for like hacking. It was like the storm after that movie, Storm Chasing became like the cool thing. That's that's all I remember. That, those are some emotional reactions I'm having to yeah to, to Twister. There's a set. I mean. Tornadoes have been touched on a little bit in cinema since Twister, but like Twister is so good that they basically never had to make another tornado movie. It's like Twister yeah. is the tornado movie, period. Like the mark of a good movie is like if you're like 13 years old and you walk out of Twister and being like, I want to be a tornado chaser. And I right. think it totally did that. It made them seem so cool. They were like rock stars. That's an interesting note that I do want to touch on is that in 1996, I was 14 years, wait, I was born in 1982. So yeah, I was 14 years old 
uh, in the summer of 1986, which is just like, pro- at first I was just like, let's look 20 years away, see what was 20 years away. But then uh, when I actually looked at these, I was like, oh yeah, these are all the best movies. And I wonder how much of that is because this is the summer I was 14 years old, which is just like the prime age to be going to see like Twister and all of these movies. Yeah. All right. Next on the list, speaking of iconic shots, Mission Impossible. Oh, right. Three weeks later, May 24th, 1996, Mission Impossible. Great summer already. Also that weekend, Spy Hard, which is kind of interesting because it's kind of like a parody of things like Mission Impossible. I bet you were a really big Spy Hard fan. No, Spy Hard's not that great. Spy Hard's one of like the non-Zucker, Abram Zucker, Leslie Nielsen movies. As listeners know, Jeff is a big fan, I think, of the sort of lethal weapon. Uh, I'm sorry. Naked Gun, sure. sort of Zucker. Well, I love the, yeah, the Zucker, Abram, Zucker things were really big for me when I was a kid. Like, I love Naked Gun. I love Airplane. Um, but Leslie Nielsen made a few real movies in that style that weren't with them that were pretty bad, and I think Spy Hard's one of them. The one thing about Spy Hard is uh, it has a Weird Al intro. Weird Al does, like, a James Bond parody oh, intro, fun. which is very, very good. Like, it's per- that's perfect for Weird Al, and it's perfect for that movie. And yeah, then yeah. I think, then it becomes, like, B-level Zucker. But movies. I'm guessing that Mission Impossible was... Uh, beat it at the box office that weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of funny to note. It's sort of fun to have like a parody of an action movie and an action movie next to each other. But Mission Impossible, I'm not a huge Mission Impossible fan, to be honest. Uh, well, the, the shocking one. thing is one just came out last summer, right? Yeah. That the, last, is that already a year ago? Is yeah, that possible? Yeah. That was the a year ago. The fifth one with the plane? Yeah. Oh my God. That's 20 years after the first one. That's really, that series, uh, that is a resilient series. Yeah. Uh, the segue I was mentioning was just iconic shots. Like, I feel like Tom Cruise dangling down. Looking at all these lists, and there's a lot of these iconic shots and a lot of these iconic movies coming up. I think that may be, like, maybe the most iconic shot of, like, the 90s for movies. For better or worse. Like, it's just, like... And not only that... I, th- I completely agree. That's a really good point. And not only that, I think that that... You're talking... Obviously, there's a scene when he... I know this. I've seen this movie a lot. I don't know when well. Ethan Hunt and his team is they have to steal the knock list, yeah. which is the matches all secret agents to their identities, and they're stealing it in order to like it's part of their plan. They're stealing it for a good reason because um, they've been framed. But the Ethan stealing the knock list in Langley, the big white room dangling from like the Cirque du Soleil style kind of right. right. I think that not only is an iconic shot, but that invented. I think essentially invented the kind of really cool, elaborate techno heist moment, which has been done for everything from Ocean's Eleven to like, there were so many like heist movies in the next 10 years because of that. Is that the invention? You can probably, I'm sure it was done beforehand, maybe the net predates this, but of the tense file copy progress bar, (laughs) you know, like that's that's probably certainly a milestone in in the development of that trope, you know, but like the the tense progress bar, uh, I feel like, that, that's, so hard to make that tense too. Like, well, it's once a, a, it's a really good idea once or twice, but like it's yeah, been done yeah. so much. What Probably. else do you remember about? I mean, I remember that. I remember that scene. I remember that Emilio Estevez gets like elevated into some knives or something, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because I remember like the elevator's going up and he's going to die because. But then like these knives like eject. Yeah, like, what the hell it, were it's those? Like super like. Uh, it's super like saw, like very like booby trappy, like more than is necessary for killing someone. I think a really important thing to remember about the movie is that Brian De Palma directed it, right? And it's um, just a very unique choice for like you. You assume it would just be like Justin Lin or some like generic action director. Right. No, no, all due respect to Justin Lin, who was also probably nine when that movie came out. But <laughs> um, and the the whole 
yeah. we've talked about this, but those, that series is if, if one cool thing about that. I think the reason it's been so resilient is like every single one they've chosen a very different, but probably equally good director. Like it was De Palma, De Palma. Two John, was John, John Woo, Woo, you know, yeah. People two is sort of people. John, that opinions. was not John Woo at his peak, but hiring him was a good idea. But it's it kind a, of it like, in a way, choice. one of the most famous movies. Like people, there's moments from two that people, the rock climbing scene, people still make fun of. Yeah, the things I think of in two are like all pretty generic Woo stuff, like the doves and the dual yeah. pistols. It's just like I think there was a lot of American audiences introduction if not only experience with John Woo so I think a lot of people three was Abrams four was Brad Bird very four is my favorite four is my favorite and then the last one was uh, Chris McQuarrie yeah which was also not bad no totally it's all been good Uh, Um, yeah but that yeah okay so anything else to say about Mission Impossible it's good the masks were very famous as well oh yeah I remember you once saying how like the masks fool you every time and every time you're like they got me (laughs) they really did I think in the in it was either which one is Alec Baldwin in? Was that the last one? I think it was the last one. Yeah, I totally fell for it because you know what it is like. Now the masks are such a part of it. Yeah, they can like in the first one they have to introduce the masks in the first scene and then twist at the end. Yeah, now they can not have the mask until the very last scene and it's still like it's still fair game because you know the masks are part of the world. Is Mission Impossible also where they invented like taking a fondly remembered, if not widely beloved? thing from the 70s 60s to 80s to 90s or whatever and like rebooting it as an action franchise you know again if it's like the progress bar if that's not like where they invented it it's that definitely a like really, a really really good question i mean i think the 90s are when the re- re- reboots old franchises definitely started in general because the brady bunch i remember oh yeah charlie's angels we're, we're gonna have an later. opportunity to talk about the brady bunch oh, that came out the same year uh yeah well the very Brady sequel did but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves all right uh yeah that, I don't know I mean we're moving past here I, I'll, I'm always at you 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 just have to cut me off here well, let me ask you how much I time do you have ton- here I have nothing else to do today but this I well I don't want to I do have to <laughs> I do have to uh, get to work at some point but uh I, that's not yeah I do hey we got time machine so I basically have as much time as you do we've been here time. like twenty minutes. Yeah we've been recording twenty minutes and we're three movies in and there's a lot so let's move on but if uh, you have anything else to say. It's like the gong. Remember we had the gong one year? Yeah. There was a gong? I, you, I'm a gong. Whenever you want to move I'm on, I'm, 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 I, I like the pace. It's fun. Uh, next week, three movies. Oh, I did see one of these. Uh, May 31st, The Arrival slash Eddie, the Whoopi Goldberg movie uh-huh. where she owns the Knicks, and Dragonheart. AK- now, here's a funny thing about Dragonheart. I saw Dragonheart once in theaters. I have not seen this movie since May 31st, 1996. And I'm, yeah. I am like, I still hear Dragonheart, and I'm like, I am the last dragon. I was going to say the same like, quote. How much did they play that, that commercial that, like, 20 fucking years later? That's right. still, like, Dragonheart? You mean I am the last dragon the movie? You know? I am the last one. Uh, that is so weird. You know that what's that crazy about Dragonheart? Around. There's a Dragonheart 2 direct-to-video sequel that came out in 2000. Dragonheart 3 came out direct-to-video last year, and Dragonheart 4 is coming out this year. Ooh, wow. Drag- it's like, how deep into the like shit that we still somehow have the rights to barrel do you have to dig before you get to Dragonheart? You know what? I, maybe the guy, the producer, was like, like in 96, he was like, trust me, if we keep on this, dragons are going to be huge <laughs> in 2016, I swear to God. And he's 100% right. I, I guess that movie, you know, I, like I said, I haven't seen it, but if I had to guess, I'd say... 
revolutionary special effects, like main character special effect that was like pretty cool and well done in Sean Connery and a uh, boring ass movie. Like I can't remember a single thing of that movie that's not the dragon. The fact that dragons can talk is a little weird because that's mm. the only that's not normal, right? Well, he's the last dragon. That's, that's, that's like kind of the other thing I remember. I remember. I, I don't think I've ever seen Dragonheart to be honest. I just know that, I, but I know that line. It's almost the opposite of like it's not. So, we all know the the, the Ethan Hunt. That heist scene yeah. or the flying cow, those are iconic because they're like mind-blowing scenes. Yeah. And of course they're iconic and they stuck around. Why? That line was just like a weird... I think it was just in the ads. Like, yeah. I really, and it's also Sean Connery yelling it and he's like good at... That's like... I don't know. He's good. Um, and maybe it was like that was the first time there was like a CG character, you know? Can I bet... Can we talk about all these movies or just Dragonheart? We can talk about whatever you would like. Because the big one... What was the, what was the, the Arrival movie? and Eddie. I've actually never. Actually, what a week! It's kind of a weak weekend. I've uh, never. I've heard great things and weird things, and I should actually watch it. But I've never seen the arrival. I like uh, David Tuhis. Is that his name? I think David Tuhis made that, right? Who? What else did he do? I know that. I name. think it's the guy who made also Pitch Black and Unfortunately. I God, I should double check because I'm not sure. But I think what he I remember also is made, like um, it had a lot the, that the, Timothy Oliphant vacation movie that was like a thriller that was pretty good. Like I don't know. It was good. Oh, like a perfect getaway. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. Like that, that. that was it. That was it. Yes, right. I saw the arrival. I barely remember it. I heard it's like good and weird. Like not bad. What I've collect, just glommed about it over the years is that it's like actually not bad, and it's super weird. And like it's also like I am not comparing these two people, obviously, but like it's almost like seeing an OJ Simpson movie because Charlie Sheen's the star of it. And you're right. like, oh yeah, but remember when he was just like a, a boring actor who was sometimes in movies and not like this pop cultural. Cyclone. So that was directed by David Tuohy and written by him. And he made uh, his next movie was four years later. He made Pitch Black, which is a great movie. I think not enough people have seen Pitch Black. Pitch Black's really good. Uh, yeah, I and think then he, he made. I've seen. I think I, we've seen. We've we've run the whole um, Chronicle of Riddick gamut. I think. Uh, I actually I started on an airplane and did not finish the most recent one. There was one that came out like two years ago. Remember? Yeah, which is like. It, that, those three movies have a weird trajectory because the first one is the first one's really just like a really cool horror. Yeah, movie. it's like a pretty low budget. horror It's like movie. the first Alien almost. Yeah, the second one is like he just blew it out. To yeah, this the second weird, one's like insanely indulgent. He's trying to he's trying to like make this, and then the third one kind of goes back to the sort of smaller scale right, thing. Right, he's right. just like a alone on a planet. Um, you know, I've heard weird things about Eddie. Like I heard there's like a really weird plot development in Eddie, and I read the Wikipedia page for it, and I couldn't figure out what it was. If anyone knows what's weird about the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg, I'd love to know. She owns. She like. It's almost. She like gets the Knicks, right? She like owns. Yeah. The she, she, I never saw Eddie. Okay. I bet there's a Donald Trump cameo in it. That's I'm, a very <laughs> good guess. That's a very very good guess. Uh, okay. Next week, June seventh. The Phantom and The Rock. Poor The Phantom. Pretty good movie, but who the fuck opens like a is superhero that? action movie? Who has the poor luck to open a superhero action movie against The Rock? Like one of the best action movies of all time, right? Yeah, I would say it's Michael. I think it's my favorite Michael Bay movie. Definitely. For sure. And I like I like a lot of his other. I like Armageddon. Actually, I like a lot of his other ones. But. I saw it pretty. I saw like the second half of it on TV, which is probably how most people know The Rock these More days. More big big summer for Connery. Um. Oh yeah. It's a, Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Let me tell you what I think separates The Rock from other Michael Bay movies and other action movies is Ed Harris and like what's going on with the villains in that movie is pretty interesting because yeah. he's like this terrorist and he uh, threatens to shoot these green gas bombs at San Francisco. VX was it? Or yeah, something? and he has like these demands and he but he's not a, he actually was from the army and like the army. Did, had wronged him and his unit, and this is like he wants this. He, yeah. He's holding them hostage, 
Um, but then he doesn't want to go through with it. Like the, he, the army kind of calls his bluff and like decides not to do, do give into his demands. Yeah. And he doesn't want to do it. And then his underlings like over want to do it anyway and overthrow him. And it's like a pretty interesting little side movie that's going on there. Like totally. that's way better than the villain subplot you get in most movies. And you got Ed Harris doing it. So it's, it's great. I, they also did an amazing job of like those little green orbs and they established in the yeah, first it's funny scene. funny that like. 20 years later, I'm like, and he wants to shoot these green orbs. Like, I still really remember them. They're kind of silly in retrospect, but, like, they really, like, the opening scene is, like, that one ball cracks right. open, and they just show how it, like, right. and this, I, I, you hadn't really seen a lot of that, like, graphic, you haven't seen, like, the effects, it's kind of horrible, because there's a, this is based on, at least, has connection to reality, but, you know, chemical warfare, and there's, like, horrible consequences of it, but, like, it was good, like, you felt, it was, that was, it, it motivated the movie. Like you definitely did not want San Francisco to be like, you know, that inundated with the, the the VX gas or whatever. So that movie's great, really good. Yeah, you know another great thing about that movie that I'd forgotten is like there's also that cable car chasing where like Sean Connery's getting away from Nicolas Cage. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And another thing, this is the last thing I have to say about The Rock, though. Let me know if you have more. But uh, I feel like that last joke where he, do you remember the, I feel like the last line the of Kennedy that movie, assassination? very yeah. memorable. And I feel like people really remember that about that movie is that last line and that like, yeah, like, and the, yeah, the, just that last joke, I feel like is very well remembered. That's so, all. I, I, I'm, I'm fuzzy here, but. The idea was that Connery w- was actually just framed because he knew all this, like these weird government secrets, right? Yeah, I think he just somehow gives Nicolas Cage his uh, Stanley Goodspeed. Oh, his, good, um, you got a good memory. His, I saw it somewhat recently. His, uh, he, he tells him where like the treasure trove is with like all his money and documents or whatever, and like Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend go, and then he, like as they're driving away, like the last line of the movie, he's like, "Honey, you're never gonna believe who shot JFK," and then it's like. Roll Nic- credits. It's I great. mean, Nicholas Cage is. I mean, Nick Cage. I mean, this is the. They knew this because I think the post. I think the, the names Cage and Connery are like bigger than the name of the movie. But that was really a good team. Like yeah. Nicholas Cage at his best is better. That's than, Prime Cage. Yeah, Prime Cage, Prime Bay. But great also, um, there's one sequence that's really silly in that that I remember when they're first breaking in. There's like. It's so con- contrived, but the movie's so good that it's it works. Like they have to like roll under like the the heater or something like that, and there's like flamethrowers and like pendulum swinging. <laughs> and at the time, it's right now. It just seems it's so ridiculous. Like, and now, it, but at the time, I was like, "Whoa, this makes total sense." And yeah, it's so dangerous. There's a great joke about that in Galaxy Quest, the wonderful movie Galaxy Quest that I wish came out this summer so we could discuss it. But like, yeah, sure. where they they just like have to go through one of those pendulum, like one of those corridors where there's like smashy blocks, and they're like, "Why do we even build this?" You know, right? That movie's super like self aware right, about right, sci fi right. stuff, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, anything to say about the Phantom? I don't have a lot to say other than it's a movie I have great affinity for. I've never seen it. I I'm, I want to hear your thoughts because you are. Ten times the superhero. Fan, Ten times fan the, zan- the zaniac. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the zan- I'm a zaniac. I'm just not a superhero. Fan. I don't really remember it very well. It's just like it's definitely from that mid '90s before superhero movies were really a thing. Like the shadow, Post Batman, but pre X Men. Yeah, you got like the shadow with Alec Baldwin in there, and the Phantom. Just these like 1900s, 1920s like properties that like no kid had any familiarity with. But- but you've seen it, and you liked it. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, it was on HBO all the time. I guess I must have been, like, by the time it was on HBO, I was, like, 15. It's actually older than I would have guessed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was watching a lot of the I will say, I did recently watch... The, the um, main thing I can remember is his purple suit. That's basically the thing I remember. He's got this big-ass purple suit and, and a skull ring. 
And you know what's funny? Like that was when like spandex was now you 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 will never see superheroes in spandex yeah, anymore. Yeah. Now it's all like these this like these leather muscle. That was before they realized that like spandex looks stupid. It's so weird that they thought making these like radio play characters into movies like the Shadow and the Phantom instead of like I don't know Batman. Well, I guess they did Batman. Here's but- my theory. I think the Tim Burton Batman, which probably launched that first wave of yeah. superhero movies, even though it was like 1989, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, was I mean, 1996 kind of, were like four years after Batman Returns, so it's like still happening. I think uh, and, Batman but, Forever was like 95, maybe. Yeah, so they were they were coming out. Obviously, Joel Schumacher, but 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 I think that first wave of Batman movies really strongly borrowed from that like 1930s ethos. Like the first Batman looks like. The Phantom. It's like yeah. very gothic, and yeah, that. Ha- yeah. uh, I see so that maybe they're like, oh, this this is what people want. They want this kind of surreal thing. Yeah, which turned out to not be true. Unless it took them a few years to figure out how old the thing they reboot needs to be for there to like. There's yeah. like an optimal age. Maybe we can figure. Maybe we can reverse engineer that work into this list. Uh, next week, I don't know what to say about this movie, but it's a good one. Still remembered. June fourteenth, nineteen ninety six. The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bombed at the time, but uh, I feel like very fondly remembered yeah, 20 years later. Ben Stiller made that one, right? Yeah, and like Judd Apatow maybe wrote it? Or That's right. Involved. Yeah, that, I, think that, that, I think that is like, it's like Freaks and Geeks. It's kind of this like, even though it was like not appreciated in its time, yeah. um, it, it, it was this sort of like supernova of future comedy talent. I mean, Jim I Car- yeah. Jack Black is in like eight of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's yeah. in like every one of these movies is like a technical operator <laughs> like or something. Hoffman or Jack Black will be in all of these. Uh, all right, check well, out. Well, 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 uh, well, I don't, oh, sorry. Well, The Cable Guy, I want to say, it also has a lot of like, um, it's very much about, it's very prophetic about the media. I think in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, it was kind of responding to what was happening, but like, it's all about there's a Menendez brothers kind of conceit to it. Remember the whole trial at the end, he falls into the satellite and breaks. Like it's yeah, it, it's, it's all taken because that movie's the, like there's too much TV and media. Like, imagine what they'd think about 2016. Sequel, you know? sequel, See? guys. If Judd Apatow, if you're listening, <laughs> Helen Hunt, we know is listening. If you're listening, Helen Hunt, tell get Judd Apatow on the phone. Tell him <laughs> to Jeff listen. and I have a great idea for a sequel to the Cable Guy. Uh, a sequel to the Cable Guy would be unbelievable, and I feel like everyone uh, that involved is good. Empowered. Like, yeah, it's totally good. Jim Carrey's. It's it. very weird and unsettling, and but it's like I'm saying this about a lot of these movies. It's like weird and distinct. Like there is nothing else like the Cable Guy, where it's like um, it actually is not a funny movie. It's like a thriller, I guess. It's like a scary movie, yeah. but the the scary guy is a funny Jim Carrey performance. I think it's an MTV film. Maybe. And and I feel like in the '90s, MTV films made some really really good movies. Like they did Election in 1998, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and it's very smart. I want and you, the Cable Guys are very good. Too. We're gonna come back to MTV films. We're gonna come back to MTV Love films. It. But Our City Blues? No, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. For now, next week we're talking June 21st, 1996. We got Lone Star, which is a pretty good movie with uh, what's his name. I, th- I, this is the first one I have no. I oh no! Well, it's 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 an indie. Mo- it's like an indie movie. It's uh, what's his name? Chris Cooper's in it. I think Chris Cooper might have won an Oscar for it, or was nominated. It's for an called Oscar. Lone Star. Yeah, I have no memory of this. Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney movie, uh-huh. and Eraser. Probably oh, okay. the end of. I'm such an. I have not seen any movie or like the the beautiful Disney film. I have seen Eraser. I've seen Eraser. Eraser is another one with a lot of really memorable images. Schwarzenegger jumping out of the plane. That might be the last. There's, I, I, you might say, the sixth day after it, but that's one of the last like pure Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger movies. You yeah. Know? Oh yes, absolutely. Like, that was when he was kind of 
That is when he was, yeah, you're like right. After that, that he, there's the one that was delayed because of 9-11. I can't think of the name of collateral it. Collateral damage. Collateral damage, which is like not like, like this movie has Arnold Schwarzenegger like shooting an alligator and I mean, saying- We could agree that Schwarzenegger is the greatest victim of 9-11 because his <laughs> movie, his career was destroyed. It's funny, that's what I remember about the movie. I don't actually, I'm just kidding. But he, like that's the type of movie where Schwarzenegger shoots an alligator and says your luggage, you know, like, yeah. like cheesy one-liners, like guns that are twice not, the size of I don't him. think that's a very good Schwarzenegger one-liner. That's pretty far down there. Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's good, but like I don't think Collateral Damage has that. It might have like a year, year. But there's much back. better, equally corny Schwarzenegger one-liners, totally. right? I'm just saying this was this was the, yeah. We didn't know it at the time, but this was the end of the end of the Schwarzenegger, uh, gr- the great Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's movies. interesting. And it wasn't. Yeah, he really didn't. I mean, he's kind of back. and He's doing movies again now. But you're right. That was sort of uh, what even did I he was, erase. He, I think he was like erasing people's identities, like it was witness protection. Yeah, I think basically. What is like? It's so funny. That's like a, such a low concept thing for like a big action movie. It's like yeah, he has to protect someone, but then bad guys are trying to get her, so he's got to like Vanessa shoot them Fox all. or Vivica a. Fox. I'm sorry, right? No, Vanessa. Vanessa she yeah. the one that that song uh, might as well save the best. She had Williams. She, Vanessa Williams, yeah, um, she was the star. Of, she was the female lead in it. I also remember that movie has a suicide in it, like, like James Cromwell. James Cromwell, like, just like I don't uh, know, it's kind of weird in the middle of a dumb Schwarzenegger movie. James Cromwell's one of those actors who, like, you really have to respect because, like, he was already the old man in that movie, and yeah. that was twenty years ago, yeah. and he's still like he's still acting yeah, up a he's storm. On, um, all in the Family, and he's like the old guy in All in the Family. What? Or he's not the old guy in All in the Family, but like he's like a contemporary of Archie Bunker, who like I view as an old person anyway, or an older gentleman. Do you anyway. remember from Eraser, this is, the mo- this is the iconic image I remember, those guns that could see through walls? Yeah, the guns were called rail guns, I think. Yeah. Which I think Quake either took from them, or it was parallel thinking or something, but yeah. rail guns. I feel like rail guns are a popular type of fictional gun now. Uh, and it's all because of Eraser. June twenty eighth, the Nutty Professor mm-hmm. and strip tease. I gotta say, I actually recently saw a scene online from the Nutty Professor where Dave Chappelle is the, the stand up bit, and Dave Chappelle's just like yelling at. He's like making fun of the Nutty Professor for how fat he is. Yeah, and I just like forgotten all about. I was like, what is this movie about? You know, like I forgot all about it. I just forgot all about it. That is. Yeah, I I don't know if I've actually ever seen the Nutty Professor. Really, I definitely saw it in theaters. All I remember is uh, Hercules. Hercules, 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 right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like then the family scene, which was pretty cool. This this it's funny because this is just becoming a, an exercise. In, like, what do you remember from right. that movie? Like, what staying power did it have? Does it have? And often it boils down to like a single scene or image or just word. Yeah. That's right, and I think I with mean, Clumps, the sequel was just called right because yeah. there's this scene where like Eddie Murphy plays like seven people at the family, yeah. and like it has nothing to do with the movie. Like I don't know who had the great idea of like Eddie Murphy should play everyone around this table. It was probably like some new special effects thing at the time uh, to do it well anyway. But then they were like, yeah, the sequel, just that. Yeah, don't don't even bother with the rest of the movie. Just all the family members. And, and you know, it's funny because I, um, when you know, I, I think. Eddie Murphy gets no Larry Miller. You know Larry Miller, great comedian. He's sure, been done of course, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he gets sodomized by a giant hamster in that movie. I want to say like a mo- like a monstrously large hamster. Yeah, I hope I'm not wrong because that's like really weird if I'm wrong. But I think <laughs> in, so one of the, in one of the two movies, <laughs> no, that's is, Eracer. That's a scene in Eracer. <laughs> in one of the movies, like for some reason, there's a giant hamster, and uh, I think it has sex with Larry Miller. That seems plausible. Larry Miller, like. He was definitely like the jerk in a lot totally. of comedies. He's like the in, mean 
co-professor. He's, he's awesome. Like, yeah, you he's should so watch. Funny. If you Google his stand-up, like he's the kind of comedian. Oh, I've never seen him do stand-up. He was big. He was big stand-up guy in the eighties, and he's right. so you just re- forget that. Like, oh, of course, before he became like that guy, and before he became like the fourth build guy in comedies in the nineties, he was like the best stand-up ever. Uh, I would check that out. I would check that out. I'm, Wait, I'm, I'm, I got I got to double check that hamster thing. I wonder if I'm wrong. Yeah, I have. I've never seen it, but I think that the you know, and Eddie Murphy's a genius. I admit, here's what I'll say: it's probably the last, like, the last time Eddie Murphy was like was a cultural phenomenon. Like, he's still very talented. Still, like, you know, demands a lot of respect and is very funny, but you know, I think from the time he blew up on, from the time of like his comedy album slash SNL. Until like then, I think he was very, very like he was a number one guy. He, his he would you know he was he was he played nine characters in the same movie. Like that's how famous yeah. he was. And the movie was probably number one. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was like a comeback for him. Like he had been on a downslide, and I think yeah. the Nutty Professor was like sort of his comeback. Into- Eddie Murphy, if you're listening, <laughs> the Clumps Three. Uh, okay. Next week, oh, and also Striptease came out that week. Striptease, a movie I managed to never see, despite the fact I was 14 when I came, when it came out. I'm sure I worked my hardest at it. I remember like being like, oh yeah, I gotta see Striptease. Here's but. what I'll say about Striptease. I think that it often kind of, whenever you see those like movies that came out at the same time that have the same plot, like it's like Armageddon, Deep Impact, and yeah. they always talk about Showgirls and Striptease. Striptease. I think Showgirls is a you know, it's a camp classic. I I don't begr- I love Paul Verhoeven. I you know I don't I think that I don't begrudge the movie anything. But Striptease is like I think a much different movie. It's very funny. It's very sarcastic in a way that Showgirls was not intended to be. Um, Robert Patrick's the bad guy in it. Ooh, yeah. I like that. A big one. I like yeah. that. Uh, Robert Patrick. Still around, still hanging out. He was nominated for an Oscar a few years ago. I love that Robert VHS Patrick. box of striptease, though. That's like going to the movie store, that, going to the video rental store. My mom like not wanting me to look at the striptease box because right. it's, just, it's just the nude to me more. Like yeah. her knee covering up her. Boobs. That's like what I like. I'm sure I wasn't interested in like the murder mystery plot. I was like, yeah. I just saw the cover and I was 14 years old. And I was like, this looks like an excellent film. All right, the next week, next week, July 3rd, 1996. It's the big one. ID4 Independence Day. Oh, well, of course this. Did you see the sequel? I did not see the sequel. No. I was totally willing to see it with a full... Before it came out, I don't want to say I told you so, but before it came out, I had a friend say, do you think that'll be good? And I was like, obviously not. Obviously yeah. it's not going to be good. I didn't anticipate it would be quite as poorly received as it was. I was pretty much willing to see it with the full understanding it was going to be bad, but even people but people were like, not even for that. Not even for that was the vibe I got from that movie. Because the first one is so so iconic and so fun totally. that you want I want to see Jeff Goldblum like back in back in the driver's seat of that spaceship again. I know I feel like we keep saying this, but really on the short list of like iconic '90s movie shots, that White House being destroyed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the thing about the sequel is like you've seen the White like. You, that has been upped so many times since then. It's like it's boring now. Yeah, yeah. Like at the time, that shot of the White House being destroyed was like fucking awesome, and you'd never seen anything like it. But it's been done, like it's been riffed on in like without exaggeration, one in five movies since then. You know, it's you know <laughs> cool that shot. It's been because of special effects. You know, it's been and 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 often in Roland Emmerich movies, but obviously not. It's just been done. So many times that like it's lost its specialness and it's not never been done quite as well. Mm-hmm. I think you define it as being Oz, which is that it's a, a victim of its own success. When you That's watch Dan it, Hopper, it, actually, Dan, Dan Hopper, Hopper of course, um, yeah. wrote a great article. Dan Hopper, really fucking funny guy uh, who writes a college humor, and he course, wrote a great yeah. article about this concept of Ozing, 
I think is what he called it, or like something being Oz, where like you see the thing happen. You've seen it so many times that like when you see the original, it feels cliche, even though it's not the original's fault. And like a scene from The Wizard of Oz, right? Like or like a lightsaber fight in the original Star Wars or something, or The Godfather when he's like. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Like, you see that now and you roll your eyes. You're like, oh, come on. But, like, that they invented it. Yeah, you know, like, this is yeah. it. This is the moment. And so Independence Day suffers from that for sure. But cool thing is that that the exploding White House in Independence Day was a practical effect. That was not a special right, effect. Right, right. Maybe that's why it's cool. The second they cut to the wide of, like, Los Angeles, that's obviously, there's some CG involved or some, some special effects. But I remember the big feature on the DVD of, like, they built this, like, Probably like a, a scale replica, like half the size of this apartment of the White House. So not not the, not a full White House, but a pretty goddamn big model, and well, just blew it up like old, the old fashioned way. Why is Independence Day like so memorable? And like when I got to it, I'm like, here's the big one. This is yeah, you know, like one of one. It of, probably was the number one movie of the summer, if not the year. Yeah, I feel like it's it's unusual even among summer movies because it, it was just the one movie. It never had a sequel until recently, and I don't know. It's like a, an original. It's also very low concept in a way. It's just like Aliens Invader. The fact that there wasn't a sequel is probably the most baffling part. Like, why wasn't yeah. there one like the next summer? Like, that's that is such a. I'm so nostalgic for a, an era where there was that much restraint. That I, I mean, I got that movie must have made so much money. Yeah, it's funny that and this and it happens just begs a lot. Like, for a sequel. They, there's probably been someone at whatever studio working for the past 20 years since the day Independence Day came out this person has been trying to get the yeah. sequel made and like it had all these different forms and whatever and now it's like finally out and it's like yeah we don't give a shit anymore thanks like <laughs> I bet I bet and we're just speculating what exact I bet Will Smith just was like I don't want to do a sequel and like didn't have to and like and and I'm, I'm guessing here but maybe he just said I don't want to do a sequel and 20th Century Fox said, well, we're not going to do without Will Smith because we think he is like the reason right, this movie... Right, right. And they're not wrong, but now enough time went by and they're like, they're like, oh, this movie is just kind of... It's such a classic now. We don't necessarily need him anymore. But I, in, to your point as to why it was so good, I do feel like Goldblum and the cast was so good. I think, yeah. I think that matters. And I yeah. think that Jurassic Park, also starring Jeff Goldblum... How crazy is, the is it that thing. Jeff Goldblum is in like... There's just a period where he was like in two of the biggest action movies, like of all people on earth to like be in action movies. They were like, yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Well, because he was this perfect mix of like scientists. Yeah. Which these movies need. You need a scientist or a hacker or a geneticist or a chaotician or whatever. Plus, I guess attractive. I mean, I I think actually, no, I think he was. Um, Plus, he was very funny and like was really good at that kind of like removed sort of Joss Whedon-y sort of like, well, the dinosaur chasing us. This is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rolling my... I'm not... I mean that sincerely. He was great. But also, I remember I saw... He really was a... I feel like he was sexy because I never knew this, but I went to a like 20th anniversary screening or 25th anniversary, whatever, 10th anniversary, some 15, 20 year thing. Of, of the original Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Oh, I was the there. Midnight at Landmark. Like Vinny's birthday. Yes, that's yeah, yeah, right. I was there. And he, that shot of him, they cut, it, the scene starts with a wide shot of him lying down with his unbuttoned shirt mm-hmm. in the, in like the medical facility because he's like just got attacked by the Tyrannosaurus Rex. He's like shirtless and sweaty and a little grimy. And like everyone in the theater went ape shit. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I guess Jeff Goldblum was a sex symbol in 1993. I think especially for women who go see Independence Day revive, or sorry, Jurassic Park, like 20 years later. You know, yeah. like I mean, obviously he's in it, so that's their demographic. But it's like 
Yeah, that's his. That's his. That's his. But yeah, he was in those two. What else was he? That was not. I want to know when they actually re-released Jurassic Park because I think they did re-release it like nationwide. But this was just like a theater was showing it and happened to be our friend Vinny's birthday and Vinny loves Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. so that's what we did for his birthday and it was fun. Here's what I want to say about ID Four Independence Day. I don't think it's a great movie. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I have a lot of nostalgia for it, and I would even say I like the movie, but I don't think it's a great movie. I think it is uh, carried largely by. Like you said, the performances and the special effects. I guess that makes it a good movie if it's got good performances and good special effects. But like, I you know you know I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I strongly disagree. I feel like it's a classic, and it's yeah, so, it is a classic. I mean, I mean, more than just a classic. It's fun. What more do you want from a movie? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what to have again. You got. I just think it's like kind of like I think the story's bad. I guess. I guess I think the story's kind of bad. It's so epic, and do you hate America? No, I do think maybe it's having some of this Oz syndrome where, like, it's just become so cliche now. I actually do, like, it. I guess within its place in history, like, establishing, like, the summer blockbuster and, like, a lot of the grammar of summer blockbusters being, and that the grammar of summer blockbusters being buildings exploding and, yeah. uh, you know, that thing. So I think for better or worse, it established a lot of that. And I, I if, you know, we do this every year, so you know I like that. Um, so I don't know what it is I have against it. Like, I guess I like it, but I guess I kind of think it's overrated. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, more than it's a bad movie, like, I don't think it's a, it's a, oh, it's good, but I don't think it's great, and I definitely don't think it's, like, one of the top ten summer blockbusters of all time, I would say. Of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, and I feel like it's... Which basically maybe starts with, like, Jaws. Like, yeah, nothing, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm making up a ranking right no, now. No, you're right. But, like, but, no, you're not. I, I, I think, you're right that... No, you're, you're forcing me to identify my problem with it, and I guess I am saying, not that it's not great, but just that I think it's overrated. I think it's overrated. But if that's not one of the best summer blockbusters, like, what is? I know. I don't know. I, just I mean, like, yeah, Jaws and Star Wars. I mean, Jaws and Star Wars, and then Independence Day. <laughs> uh, like, I guess I would say I, I vastly prefer Men in Black to Independence okay. Day. Okay, ooh, maybe this is like a, a Beatles Stones thing. But, like, I guess, like, Men in Black is very, like... It really resonates with me, like the specific weirdness of it, and like the no, like I the silliness of, and the kind you, of the goofiness if, of it. Like yeah. I, I appreciate that. Are that to, that is like more my speed than Independence Day, which is like really sincere and has that like you know that big speech at the end, and like. But that's kind of why I like it. Like Jurassic Park's sincere too, even though it's like kind of funny and and crazy and weird. But like, I like Men in Black as well. This, but that I like that though because to me that's and those movies came out. I think that was his movie right after. I think he did that immediately after. That was ninety seven. So I really feel that that's those two movies. Oh yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean. You could like them both, and I do, but they are very, very different takes on a similar kind of... I would say Independence Day, One is an action movie that happens to be really funny, and the other is a comedy that happens to be really action-packed. I would say Independence Day is cheesy in a way that I find less appealing than the way Jurassic Park is cheesy, because Jurassic Park's cheesy where it's like, the family reconnects and like are there com- you get comments on these because this is the first time I've ever wanted to be like what, <laughs> I want to hear what people respond maybe I'm gonna write maybe, maybe maybe so um maybe the Reuben heads will get your back on this one I will so I guess like so Jurassic Park is kind of cheesy in that way where like I don't know the dinosaurs are beautiful and tear and like the family gets back together and there's like these big emotional like character moments but Independence Day is cheesy at this like kind of like uh this weird, like, patriotic, like, world-holding-hands kumbaya kind of way that... 
There, that remind. Uh, I'm just gonna shamelessly plug a. Well, I'm, I don't work there anymore, so now it's not. A, it's not really a plug. I'm just endorsing my friend's work. In but, fact, fuck them. <laughs> uh, College humor. Oh, that Independence Day video they made. Yeah, they yeah, did a really, so really funny video. You should Google right now if you're listening. It's just like how how news media would react to his speech at the end of Independence Day, and it's like. Independence Day will never be an will no longer be an American holiday, and then Fox News is saying like, "Wow, so he hates America." It was really, really funny. Yeah, that's very a, accurate. A really good video. Uh, okay, let's move on before we get too many negative comments. The next one, I, here's one I've never seen: Phenomenon. I, you strike me as a man who has seen Phenomenon, Pat Castles. Oh yeah, I love Phenomenon. Um, it. I always kind of I feel like I don't know this for sure, but like I bet there is a like you remember those two in one DVD box thing? Yeah. Like not even that a box. Michael? Set. Are you gonna say that and Michael? Oh that no, now I'm thinking the three part. Yeah, that and Michael is actually better. I would say that and powder. <laughs> yeah. Where it's about like weird kind of like artful movies about like a, a vague a person who gets has vague magical powers. Um but Michael Michael's way better than Phenomenon. But Phenomenon actually I don't think I love Phenomenon. I think I, I think I'm sucking my love of Michael and, and implanting it in Phenomenon. Michael's a, an amazing movie. Really? Oh, I, Michael's great. I've never seen it. I've never seen either of them. Weren't you there with when you and Carrie and I were driving to San Antonio? And yeah. I wanted to stop at the Michael Bar. I was there. I tried to make Jeff Rubin stop. We were driving through Texas, and I wanted to stop at the Honky Tonk where he dances to Chain of Fools. Yeah, we did. We, I remember seeing it. It was like I didn't hate it. It was we like drove a, by. We didn't stop at it. Though. Did you want to stop? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. In my in my mind, yes, I do remember. But seeing I'm, it. I'm being like a grumpy kid. It was a cool. I didn't hate the stop because it's a cool looking building. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a cool spot to see the scene in a movie. I didn't have any frame of reference, but I remember it, enjoying the building. The more I think about, it, I don't even know if I've even seen Phenomenon. I just know <laughs> that it's, yeah, I did like Michael a lot, and though, and they are kind of the same movie. They're like, but Phenomenon is not a comedy. Michael is a comedy. Like, Michael's very, very right. funny. I think Phenomenon is very sincere. Gotcha. He gets struck by lightning or something and becomes super ge- a genius. He can do the pen. Is it like a Flowers for Algernon thing where he, like, at the end he, like, dies I think it's very, or becomes normal? Basically, something like that. Yeah, for sure. Except it's not, like, science. It's maybe, it's maybe science, maybe magic. The next week, July 12th, Courage Under Fire slash Harriet the Spy. Those were the movies you could have chosen from. I've never seen Harriet the Spy. Uh, I was 14. I was a little old for Harriet the Spy. Like, just kidding. I'm, I'm watching all these other <laughs> shitty movies. But uh, Courage Under Fire is a movie. It's kind of funny because I remember seeing it. I'm sure I didn't see it, like, recently. So that means, like, I watched it when I was, like, yeah. I don't know, 14 or 15. And I was just like... I've, I've never actually seen that one. I know that Matt Damon plays a drug addict, and he's very good in it. Yeah, apparently. it was kind of funny. Like, I was like, whoa... Matt Damon was in movies in 1996. Like, I still think of him as like. Well, his breakout was when was Good Will. I guess Good Will Hunting's only like a few years after that. that was 98. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was Rainmaker. Rainmaker was Good Will Hunting got made because of the Rainmaker. Like, he got very lucky and got uh, that starring role. Not lucky. He's a good actor, but like. Um, then the other thing that I just wanted to mention about Courage Under Fire is just interesting that there were like these like totally like adult movies about like mature things and like not buildings exploding being released in the summer like that never happens anymore maybe there's like some weird indie small yeah. thing but like no one would release are you a Denzel fan yeah like sure Denzel? who doesn't like yeah. Denzel Washington yeah Meg Ryan yeah, it's a good movie, as I recall. But I was like, it's funny because like my opinion of it was formed when I was fifteen, and like almost definitely too young for it. I was like, it was, yeah, it was, it was that a, is how military justice should work. Or, it was your, de- it was a par- it was an adult movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can I just say something about Harry the Spy? Oh, please! I don't know anything about it. I had had conversations about this, and I think that because of like 
and I love a lot of these movies. I think, but because of the Harry Potterization of kids' movies, most teen young people oriented movies or like with children protagonists are all sci-fi now. It's either like it's yeah. either it's either Divergent or The Hunger Games or Harry Potter. Um I do kind of lament the days when you had like a Harriet the Spy or Holes. Remember Holes with Shia yeah. LaBeouf? Holes has some magic in it though, doesn't it? I don't think so. It's like no, it's it, like it's like it's like the Adventures of Pete and Pete kind of magic, where like it's like well, they're just like, one side step of reality. Yeah, but they're kind of in like a dystopian prison camp or something, aren't they? I don't think it's at all meant to be like the distant future or anything, though. I don't think it's sci- I Whatever, anyway, but Harriet yeah. the Spy sure. or what else? Like, Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, I just guess like just, kids getting into trouble. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, with like no magic powers. It'd be nice to just see a sort of standalone, even the original. Goonies or something like that. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Goonies has like sloth and like traps and like a giant octopus in some versions or whatever. So like, there's a hint of magic, but like, no one in the Goonies has magic powers. Um, and I, yeah, yes, exactly. Um, anyway, yeah. that's just what when I think of Harry the Spy, which I've never even seen. I just, maybe it's because special kind of, effects are so easy. It's like, yeah, I might as well give him a jetpack. It only costs an extra few hundred dollars, you know. I, I, I get it. It's just where the money is. Is like, yeah. you know... Anyway, whatever. Sorry. Uh, okay. This next week is jam-packed. I have seen all four of these movies. All four. Thank God. I thought we'd been the doldrums for a week. Uh, the uh, Okay. The Frighteners, which I fucking love. We're going to get back to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Fled, which is the movie with Lawrence Fishburne, right? Yeah. And a Baldwin, and they're and handcuffed together. It's A, Baldwin is the perfect... <laughs> <laughs> I think the poster says that. <laughs> and... Uh, it's like an action movie, but the hook is that they're the two. It's like they're handcuffed together the whole time. And let me tell you, they do not get along. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but mul- do they learn about each other along no, the way? Actually, not. They don't. <laughs> it's a very cynical movie. Slash multiplicity. Oh. Slash Kazam. What a weekend at the box office. I'm actually going to look up what the box office results were that weekend. Isn't that interesting? What are, well, let's guess what came number one. Because honestly, that's that's a total crapshoot. What's, what's number I one? I think the Frighteners bombed. I think the Frighteners bombed. So it's the Frighteners, Multiplicity, uh, Fled. Fled, and Kazam. I don't think Fled was a very big movie. I think Multiplicity's number one there. I think Multiplicity's number one. What if, Kazam's really the question Keaton Starr was still ascendant then. He was, number, he was a big draw. The Kazam, was, as fun as it, maybe Kazam's number one though. I'd say it's either it's a toss up between Kazam and Multiplicity. It's funny that like the thing I, you know, we're talking about like what is the memorable thing you remember from these movies? Multiplicity, pizza in the wallet. Nothing else about that movie is at all yeah. memorable to me except that there's a character who keeps pizza in his wallet. Uh, she touched my. I mean, the 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 clone of the clone of Michael Heaton has all the best lines in that right. movie, yeah. and he's the one that keeps the pizza in his wallet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ooh, data prior to January first, two thousand two is not accessible on Box Office Mojo. Very disappointing. Just do... Oh, wait, here... Well, this is June 21st. Here, say something about one of the movies. It'll take me a second. I'll so, I think that uh, Multiplicity is a great movie. That, that is a... That's Harold Ramis, right? The late Harold Ramis. Is the it? The late great Harold Ramis. I, I think I it's either know. him or Ivan Reitman, but I think it's Harold Ramis. I'm not sure. Um, here's a weird thing. I don't want to get to... But there's this. There's a whole sequence where Angie... Uh, Andy McDowell, great actress, sleeps with all of the clones. Remember? No. That's weird. Because she can't tell one from the other. And then it becomes this plot point. But it's kind of like, it's never really addressed, but she basically slept with like, un, you know, it's it's kind of like that Revenge of the Nerds scene where, um, you know, sure. the guy in the Darth Vader mask has sex with the jock's girlfriend. And it's like meant for, it's just meant as like, you know, uh, monkey shines of, of like, like funny monkey shines. But it's pretty messed up. Totally. I mean, yes, it's the same DNA. I guess it really begs the question, you know. 
I are they the same person? I can't get to the box office that week, and we're just going to have to dream. Someone can look it up for us. Um, Kazam, kind of well-remembered as a movie for some reason. Probably the most well-remembered of all of those movies that's true. against all odds. Oh, uh, let me put in a word for The Frighteners. I believe that's the last Peter Jackson movie before he went on to do Lord of the Rings for the next like 20 years of his life. And it's very good. It's a great movie. Yeah. Also, maybe the last Michael J. Fox movie. That's true, yeah. Um, I mean, last like last before he kind of retired, took a, a very long hiatus. Right, right, right. And that's just a fun, uh, cool, funny uh, original original movie. It's a great movie. I love The Frighteners. And, yeah, you actually, I feel like you see some, like, the ghost effect. It's funny when you watch the Lord of the Rings movies and whenever he puts the ring on, you see, like, the ring wraiths and there are certain elements of the Lord of the Rings that you kind of feel like, oh, that's a Frighteners moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. the way the ghosts, okay, here's what it is. Remember in the third one, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, when... God, I'm, I feel like I'm just rambling here. Is this at all going to be interesting to people? I don't, I, <laughs> who gives a shit? The God, I, I was, if I was a oh, little man, I got the I, I got the box office when you're done, though. I oh, yeah, let me condense this. I'm sorry. In Return of the King, when I watched that movie, which I love, and won 11 Oscars, uh, Aragorn. Um, remember, he he um, actually, it's not unlike um, it's like. Uh, Littlefinger in that Game of Thrones scene, but he commissions that army of like dead ghosts yeah. in the swamp. I'm sure there's a whole lore of them yeah, that yeah. I don't know because I'm not a. No, probably ghost. not. They're just like some ghosts in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think in the book it's like Aragorn goes and finds some random ghost. No one really knows what their deal is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's not like a hundred pages of lore about them. Those go- when I saw those ghosts, I was like, oh, that those are the Frightener ghosts. It's the same look. Like the the the, the technology was better, but like that is what. Peter Jackson likes his ghosts to look like. And they look awesome. Yeah. Like the ghosts, the special effects in... The Frighteners are good. They're, totally. they're like, they were innovative at the time. Remember when they're going to heaven and like when they go to hell, Jake B. Yeah. Goes to hell. Like there's some really cool... It's very dark and that's... It's like Meet the Feebles. It's very... He goes there with darkness. There's also that great actor whose name I can't remember. Uh, Jeffrey, tu- Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, You see the guy with like the tattoos and stuff? He is like he's like the F, he's like the skeptic who's like inve- he's like the secondary antagonist. He's like invest. I forget exactly. He's not the crazy guy that has like the carved things in his body. Isn't is that Jake he? Busey? No, there's like the, there's another guy with the shotgun. Uh, yeah, that, like, I think yeah. that's him. I yeah, think yeah. that's him. And he's he's like a human antagonist, like as opposed to Jake Busey. He's like the ghost antagonist, and he's the actor. He's in Reanimators, kind of like his like big cult classic movie. Um, but he's in tons of movies. He's in tons of Star Trek. You and I saw him on the day that Blizzard. Me, you, and Amanda watched. Um, was that movie with the random random horror movie on Netflix? Anyway, it was good. No, it sounds familiar for sure. It was like they were playing a game of death or oh, something. Oh, that was good. He I was want... good in it. Jeffrey Combs. He's a good actor. Oh, it was that guy? Yeah. What was that movie called? It was called Oh Would You Rather. Would You Rather. He's in like he's a real like yeah. genre actor. Unsolicited endorsement. Would you rather on Netflix? Check it out. So I pulled up the box office for this weekend. Variety must have had a field day with the headline, because all four of these movies bombed. The box office that weekend. Number one, Independence Day in week three. Number two, Phenomenon in week three. Number three, Courage Under Fire in week two. Number four, The Nutty Professors in its fourth week. So the top four movies were ones we already discussed. Number five, The Frighteners. Number six, Fled. Number seven, Multiplicity. Number eight, Kazam. So they all kind of bombed. Also, down the list, uh, coming out an indie release that week, Train Spotting. Train Spotting. That is, it's a little surprising that none of them broke the top five, but... I guess it's like 
all that's the, a heavy, those are heavy hitters. All those other movies, like every like when we said all those movies, everyone knew what we were talking about. People probably fast forwarded through wait, me remembering. Phenomenon at number two is pretty impressive. Like that's not that kind of movie. Is that how is that how popular John Travolta was in 1996? I guess so. Um, all right, we're in the August doldrums here. We can we can kind of just bang through August. Let's just, uh, chain reaction. I'll just say movies. You stop me when you're ready. Chain reaction. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, Morgan Freeman. Uh, Matilda. Matilda's pretty, fu- is surprisingly fondly remembered. I go big on Roald Dahl. He was like my favorite thing growing up. And I definitely saw Matilda in theaters. I saw the BFG. And um, Matilda was like not a huge movie, but I feel like very, very fondly remembered like 20 years later. And I found myself watching the BFG, which was sort of seemed to be released to indifference as far as I can tell in America. Yeah. Like thinking like, are there people who 20 years from now will think will still be talking about this movie the way that like we still kind of remember Matilda? I don't know, to be honest, but like Matilda's like a hit play now and shit, you know? Rolled, I don't, I'm not the Roald doll head you are, but he does seem to have a sort of um, ownership in a weird way of this kind of like mischievous child story. Yeah. Um, he's Willy Wonka, right? Got him. Sure. I'm yeah, such yeah. A, no, such that's a, right. And, uh, right? Like, I mean, there's a role, like, it's almost like Spielberg kind of has ownership of this with like a, what, uh, I, I've been watching Stranger Things, which is really good. Yeah. But every single th- person I talked to was like, oh, it's like, it, it's it's not even like a criticism to say it's basically Spielberg, you know? Yeah. All right. Gonna keep moving here. August 9th, Escape from L.A., which I saw in theaters. It's kind of weird, weird movie, right? Escape from L.A. Big John Carpenter fan. It's like not, it deserves to be revisited. Like, he was going for something there. I don't totally. know if he totally got it, but it's, it's different mean, from Escape from New York, but it's like pretty distinct. I would say it's probably my favorite John Carpenter movie Post like you know nineteen ninety yeah, or nineteen ninety two post Big Trouble in China maybe all right um, moving on we got yeah. Jack Basquiat which I've never seen this is a week later no this is Escape from L A week August 9th was Escape from L A Jack which I also saw in theaters what, this is a crazy summer Jack is a bad movie it's That's like Coppola yeah it's bad because it's sad. It's bad because, like, it's really schmaltzy, it's, like, and not good, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're schmaltzy, you better be fucking good, and it is not. It's just, like, bad, it's, like, sad and schmaltzy and, like, also not good. It's just, like, a very unpleasing viewing experience. And it's also super fucking weird, because the conceit is really that Robin, Robin Williams, Williams is, like, a kid, there's, like, lots of weird shit that comes out of that weird fucking movie. August 16th, I, I, I gotta, I guess, should, can I stop you? Please, always you? stop me, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna defend Jack a little bit, oh, to be honest. Please. I think that, um... It's like Pleasantville, where it's it was marketed as a very silly, fun movie, and then you, when you watch it, it becomes much darker and weirder than you think it was going to be. I remember you seen Pleasantville, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you like it? Pleasantville's yeah. pretty good, right? Yeah. You know that was marketed, and I I went and thinking it was going to be this kind of cute, quirky movie about like modern teens in the fifties, and it's all just a fun kind of like fish out of water thing. The third act of that movie becomes this weird, like, almost, like, Nazi Germany parallel, or, like, it has this whole... Do you remember, like... No, it's also funny, People that were, like, colored were not allowed to go into diners and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I remember that in Pleasantville, sure, yeah. So that becomes really... And that was not... To me, that came totally out of left field. I didn't know it was... And I I liked it. I thought it was a cool... Yeah. There's that scene of the dude in front of the bowling alley, and it kind of looks like Patton. You know, he's, like, standing in front of, like, the bowling thing, and... That's that actor. is a great actor. I can't remember his name, but... That's a great movie. But But why is Jack great? (laughs) Because becomes, like, he becomes very aware that he's gonna die before everyone else, like, early. Like, and that was more... So it became... It went from, like, just basically big which is a great movie but you yeah. know from the sort of like adult trying to be a kid type thing mm-hmm. which it has a lot of 
But the whole second half, he gets really depressed because he realizes he's going to die before all his friends, and it becomes kind of darker than I thought. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. That's true. I guess it's... I, I have to concede that with a lot of these movies, I'm stating the opinion of a 14-year-old Jeff Rubin. You know, right. like, I probably saw Jack the one time in theaters, so, like, that's my opinion when I was 14. And, like, yeah, maybe, like, I would appreciate it more now that I'm somewhat more adult. It also just going through this list, especially when you talk about Jack and Phenomenon. Like it's really hard to like the fact that Phenomenon was number two at the box office is amazing. Like, yeah, like, um, Edge of Tomorrow, a, a, an amazingly compelling, awesome, big sci-fi action movie that just happened to be kind of original, didn't get to number one. Like now, right? To, saying, in today's Hollywood an original movie did it. The fact that like a quiet kind, yes, there's sci-fi in it, but like a kind of quiet domestic drama with some sci-fi and it couldn't could be number two is incredible to well me. when you look back at this list very few reboots i think no sequels that's and, and amazing. The, the only reboots are like mission impossible which is very different from the tv show the phantom which is like basically something new yeah hunchback which is disney is kind of its own thing uh harriet the spy but you know it's like yeah but it's this, not it's yeah. now the, it's not the default setting it's like not it seven now. marvel movies and right. three reboots and yeah well this next week August 16th, 1996. The Fan. Have you ever seen The Fan? <laughs> oh, my God, friends God. fucking love them. I like The Fan, but my friend, it's like a thing with my friend. I've seen The Fan. Josh Rubin and It's I, a really funny... There's a sketch that I think... I can't remember who wrote it, but it was like one of the all-nighter sketches where like Josh Rubin is Adam Conover's like estranged father, and he's basically doing... An, I'm, I'm just... This is the second CH sketch I'm promoting, but like... Just go. I think it's called like divorced dad or something. And Josh Rubin just plays Adam Conover's dad, and he's he's and he, Josh Rubin will freely admit this as much as I will. He's basically playing Robert De Niro in the fan. Yeah, it's so funny. He that, is so funny. That's a that's a fun. That's a really fun movie to watch because it's not great, but it's like very watchable. And like there's a it's like really funny De Niro, really funny Wesley Snipes. It's got a lot of really funny baseball player cameos in it. John Cruck is in it, you know. John Cruck gets murdered at the cli- <laughs> in the climax of the film because he wants. Oh, right, right. I remember. I remember Benicio del Toro gets like his leg. Bro- he, right. He's number eleven. He's Elonce Chico. Oh yeah, yeah. But John Cruck is like a real baseball player uh, who he's like an ESPN commentator now, or he was very distinct looking man. And in the climax of the movie, John Cruck gets murdered. And for <laughs> years, I thought it was John Cruck as himself. Though I actually looked just before this to confirm that anticipating our trip through time and um i it says that he's listed as playing a character but that's not made clear in the film like in the film he's never introduces another character so i still choose to believe that john cruck is murdered Did in he the get murdered on the baseball field yeah it's like the very end of the movie like on the diamond in the middle of the, uh the only other baseball the field the murder i can think of from the 90s is in the last the opening scene of the last boy scout where the guy pulls a gun out oh of second last boy scout's a great shoots, movie yeah. <laughs> going back a few years uh so yeah i the fan, because of my friendship with Josh Rubin, holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, that weekend, the fan, Tin Cup. I've mm. kind of never. I've seen like maybe the ending of it, Sports Weekend, and then this one I've definitely seen, Bordello of Blood, Tales from the Crypt presents. Yeah. Bord- the brief period where Dennis Miller was a viable action movie star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bordello of Blood, <laughs> The Net, and Disclosure. He's in Disclosure too. Like Dennis Miller, like that's so funny. Action movie thriller star. Then I bet he, I bet he signed. He got a show on HBO and stopped doing movies for like five years. Oh, I used to watch that HBO other, show when yeah. I was a kid, and like just like hear him. Like I couldn't possibly have understood the references, but just something about like the pattern and the delivery of it was like very exciting to me. He is somewhat conservative, or maybe he's always been conservative. But he's he, very, yeah, yeah, he's like on Fox News and I stuff think he now. Criticized 
the show I work for in, in some Fox News thing or something recently. I'm sure he did. It was great. You know, <laughs> I was, it was an honor for, for the star Bordello of Blood to criticize my work. It was, I can't, uh, it was great. And the next weekend, I know you want to talk about this one, Pat. Because you recently- wait, I, how, I mean, we're not going to talk about all the movies you just said. Like, I mean, is- you, what do you? I, I'm I've like got this default so setting much. of trying to I push forward. There's so many more to go. There's so many more. But what were the three? Just really quick. Uh, Bordello the fan, of Blood, Tin Cup, and Bordello of Blood. Just yeah, okay. Cut, tie those together real quick, and then we'll move on. <laughs> well, two of them are sports movies. Unfortunately, the oh, third. Yeah. Uh, I will say, the, the, going back to the, the the rare Dennis Miller movie, I always think about how John. They're very different comedians, yeah. obviously, but John Stewart. There's a very short. Sadly short, because I thought he was a good actor. Yeah, he's in Big Daddy. He's in... Um, great, great, small, but great role in Half-Baked. Oh, yeah. And he's in... The other thing I can think of that he's in is Death to Smoochie, which is like... Which is good. He would That would be his joke on the show, and like ever he had to make a joke about his acting career, he'd be like, back for Death to Smoochie too, you know? like Because people actually mo- like those other two movies. But but Death... I think... I think people had, actually do like Death to Smoochie. Cult like, classic. Cult yeah, classic. cult classic, but... We can move on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm being, no. There's so... You're right. Uh, well, I know you have something to say about this next week, where we saw Solo, Mario Van Peebles' Solo, <laughs> yeah. a vi- which I know you have a lot to say about. Very Brady sequel. I kind of like those Brady Bunch movies with Gary Cole as uh, Mr. Brady. Gary Cole and yeah. Shelley Long and Very Taylor's in there. Yeah. yeah, those are funny movies. That's really all I have to say. I remember them being funny movies on 14. Carpool, maybe the last Rick Moranis movie. Ooh, I'm, well, I've never, that's another, that's the second one. What was, I think that Rick Lone Moranis Star, is in that. No memory at all. Tom Arnold's in it. Maybe Rick Moranis is in it. Maybe I'm thinking of that other Tom Arnold. Oh, I, it's movie. funny. Like, even though I never, I've never even heard of this movie. If the movie's called Carpool and it's Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold, I, yeah, I think I know like this exact the movie. There's like a car careening on its side. <laughs> yeah. and everyone's like, Aah! I'm guessing Tom Arnold's kind of like uh, a bit of a an oaf, and Rick Moranis is. I love Rick Moranis. So but here's much. the other one. I know you have something uh, to say about the Island of Doctor Moreau came out that weekend. Oh, of course. Yeah, and you turned me on to uh, a great. This was you, right? You recommended that documentary. It was either me or Gabrus, but we. I think Gabrus and I saw. I texted Gabrus first, and he, and he was like, "We like it was yes, it was either me or Gabrus because I know we both like." We're obsessed with that documentary, like the second it came out. Uh, and then, what is that documentary? And briefly, uh, what is well, about? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I cannot remember what it's called, which is tragic. I can't remember what it's called either. I look real quick. Um, I, but it is, it is on Netflix. It is a documentary about the making of the Island of Doctor Moreau, and it's just it's kind of like one of the, it's kind of like the Heart of Darkness Apocalypse Now documentary. It's just, it's just like the production of this movie was like a nightmare because Val Kilmer was a total dickhead. Marlon Brando was legit insane. Um, uh, it's called Lost Soul, the Lost Soul, journey yeah. of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. And it's about like the, the original director was fired, was kind of this very visionary, cool director. Richard Stanley. Richard Stanley. I was unfamiliar with his thing. Then he brought in this other guy who I, is actually a pretty good director whose name, but he's Freakin' maybe? Was it Freakin'? Whatever, I don't remember. It's yeah. like a good like Hollywood, people like crazy like production story. It's like, to, you know, remember um, um, when Nathan, maybe he still does it, but the, the My Year of Flops, he would yeah. do either, it was either um, a failure, secret fiasco success, or success. fiasco. Like this is probably a fiasco, which yeah. is actually, a, I, I always found it to be a good thing. Yeah, if it was yeah. a fiasco, this I would watch This is Nathan Rabin, it. the great writer's column, yeah. My Year of Flops, and he looks at these old bad movies and he reviews them as either a fiasco, yeah. a failure, or a success. And success is good. Success means it's like legit good. It's actually and, good. Yeah. But like fiasco's not bad. Like fiasco yeah. means it's interesting. I think you and I Failure means like, it's like don't watch yeah, it. It's yeah, bad yeah. by any standard. But a fiasco is enjoyable. I almost want to watch fiascos more than Secret Successes. Totally, yeah. totally. And this one, Moreau, might be a... Uh, uh, I actually watched it after that doc. And is this possible? The next 
week that the stupids came out. There was another fucking Tom Arnold movie. I, maybe I'm not remembering who's in car, carpools. Uh, and then this is the last weekend of 1996. City, Crow City of Angels, August 30th. Oh. Car, uh, the stupids in Crow City of Angels. I saw the Crow City of Angels in theaters. I must be one of like 100 people who did that. Yeah, I've actually only recently, Amanda and I realized, Amanda, my roommate, our good friend. Yeah. Um, and if you know Amanda, you know that like it's insane that she hasn't seen The Crow. <laughs> so when we learned that neither of us had seen The Crow, we watched it. I was disappointed. I was actually very disappointed with The Crow. I thought it was, it was very, like, it was very, he made a lot of jokes. He was very, The Crow was very snarky. He wasn't as goth as I thought he was going to be. That was my big disappointment. And this is the first one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Starring, of course, the late. Uh, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. But, it's hard um, to separate his death from the legacy of that movie. Like, I feel like it's. So defines that it's hard to not think about that with that movie that he died shooting. Absolutely, it. yeah, it's very sad. It's but, definitely it, it almost, but yeah, it's weird and it gives the movie like some extra it, yeah. like oomph that it doesn't totally deserve, you know? Because he's like he in the movie he is has an untimely he dies untimely and he's like this he's a ghost in the yeah. movie. And it's like really hard to not. And it's not. I'm being a little hard on it. I could see at the time it being if I'd seen it when I was like a moody thirteen year old, I would love it. That's when I saw it. Yeah, I did like it. I got the soundtrack and everything. And kind of like you know, three years before the Matrix, it was kind of understanding the kind of emotional power of a sort of goth aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, in a block in an action film. Obviously, the plot of the Matrix is probably a little better than the plot of the Crow, but um, you know. Just trying to give credit work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost here. All right. Well, that is the end of the summer. I've, as we've talking, been tinkering with the machine, and I noticed. Oh. There's a giant lever here. Okay. And I, mean, you- I think if we pull a lever, it might send us home. Okay. Okay. Are you sure? I let's give it a try, Pat. Please pull the lever. Okay. Whoa. Whoa! You did not pull the lever far enough. We have traveled only three years into the future to the summer of 1999. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I tried. Uh, where The Matrix had just come out, not in the summer, actually not a summer movie. Wait, March- should we kill Bin Laden or should we talk about movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, the Matrix came out March 31st, not a summer movie, actually. Isn't that kind of surprising? That is very surprising. Just barely not a summer movie. Yeah, it's true. Um, but that then, is insane. May 7th, 1999, two of Pat Castle's favorite movies, one of which you've already mentioned. Uh, the first is Election, yeah. another MTV okay. movie. That reminds me, I think I skimmed over it. Oh, well, I, I said 98 it. earlier, so I was wrong with the release date of that movie. But Yeah, I actually skimmed over a weekend in 1996 where uh, A Time to Kill came out. Another, like, total adult movie. I'm sorry. Love that I know movie, you would love to. And uh, Joe's Apartment and Kingpin. What a weekend. 1996. Isn't just Joe's Apartment... Wait, maybe... I was going to bring that up as the counterexample to your MTV films being good. Uh, what was the previous one that I said was an MTV movie? Harry... No. I don't remember. Because I remember Joe's apartment being marketed as the first MTV movie. I think so, movie. too. I think so, so I, too. I think I was wrong about that yeah. previous one. I think so, too. For the record. I've never seen Joe's apartment. Me neither. I don't think anyone did. Jerry O'Connell, though. A Time to Kill. Isn't it just crazy that A Time to Kill is like a summer movie? It's just like, it's like the least escapey movie you can imagine, you know? It's very good, but it is a Joel Schumacher movie, so it's, a, there's a, it's very like, it's not like a, it's not like a To Kill a Mockingbird, even though it has a similar kind of plot, right, right, and right. it's very... It's a John Grit. It's it's much more of a pot boiler than a meditation on race and justice. Even though that's a you know it's a it's a very serious like the subject matter is extraordinarily serious. Right, like, right. 
and yet it kind of has this sort of trashiness of a Joel Schumacher right. movie. So it's an interesting film. All right. So oh, good. Sorry. But good. But very up good. 1996. Yes, I deserve to die. I thought they burned in hell. <laughs> the, talk about quote fucking famous lines. The Mummy and Election that week. So I know you love Election. Election's a movie that I've heard a few people mention recently. Um, because of Hillary Clinton. Because of Hillary Clinton. Because it's about this. Yeah. It kind of warrants revisiting because Tracy Flick in that movie is like this uh, competent, aggressive uh, really, uh, she really does like power hungry, right? Am I yeah. right? You know, and she like really wants to be in power, mm-hmm. and she's like actually quite competent, and she's actually like upset by Chris Klein, who's like this buffoon who kind of like wins over the class, right? And she's portrayed. I-, I think the movie is is gives doesn't isn't really villa- villain uh, vilifying her as much as people say, which right. I, th- I think I think you could have watched that movie in nineteen ninety eight nine. And totally been on Tracy Flick's side, even pre Hillary. You know, mm-hmm. though I did some. A friend pointed out, and I think this is a good point. Even though I still like the movie, but it does complicate it. That like, you know, the backstory is that her math teacher slept. They slept together, and the math teacher was fired. But Tracy's kind of like there's this plot that she was kind of like manipulated him, and that's like in retrospect, it's very weird that like oh this adult like she's the villain. Even though right. her math teacher is the one who slept with her, basically committing statutory rape or rape, I don't know. But nah, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm complicated. I love that movie though. Very yeah. smart. Very yeah. I guess hilarious. any movie that like 20 years where like the current events like make you reevaluate like who's the bad guy in that movie. Like something interesting is in that movie that like you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think those things I just said are totally true and valid. I just also think that uh, Tracy Flick is not. Even at the time, I don't think Tracy Trick Flick is totally the villain. Like, everyone's kind of... Matthew Broderick is as much the villain as right. anyone in that movie. Well, how would you compare it to a film like The Mummy? Uh, well, The Mummy also, the sexual politics in The Mummy, very complicated. Like, <laughs> Imhotep and... Uh, who's to blame? Imhotep or Anaxunamun? Like, who knows? <laughs> uh, the Mummy, you've described as the ultimate summer movie. Uh, yeah, to why, you, yeah. why, why do you think that is? Uh, it's a good question. I think big special effects movie, very, very fun, not great, but just so goddamn fun that like it, you will, you know, you no one leaves that movie disappointed. It, I don't know. Like it was very, here's what I'll say. Actually, you know, I've talked a lot about how no movies that are steampunk are good. Yeah. This might be the only one that even comes close. Wow. Because there's a, there's some two yeah. more two which sucks has a lot more, mm-hmm. but one does you know it's it's like it's a 1930s set action movie that's very modern and right, right, right. its sensibilities. I don't know. I mean, you you've seen it, you like it, right? I like. I haven't seen it probably since it was in theaters. I have, you have I guess, fond memories of it. Here's what I think is interesting: is when I floated this idea, uh, you had mentioned that you considered The Mummy to be the ultimate summer movie. How old were you in 1999? I think I'm three years older than you, aren't I? Right, so I was, I was you, born... You were 14, right? Are we, are we 13? 14 or 15, yeah. So I, may, maybe, like, whatever the biggest movie was, like the summer you were 14, like 13 to yeah, 15, yeah. is just like, that's, that's what you define as a summer movie, is the theory I'm Probably. I mean, I liked Jurassic Park more, which I was way younger when that came out. But I just think of the mummy more as like I think because I, no one could imitate Jurassic Park because it costs like yeah. all the models and shit and you know spiel like I feel like the mummy has been imitated in a weird way the mummy has been imitated more than Jurassic Park was. Yeah, there was some, you know what one thing I liked about it it was very dark like it was very like it was very it was I think I, I think it was P, I think it was a hard PG thirteen is how I would define it like it was like 
there's scenes where like people are even, like the first scene is this guy being eaten alive by bugs and like locked in a, in like it's very like it's great it's like it's it's horrifying in that classic like tales from the crypt right. Vince Vince Price very safe and not like torture porn or anything but very disturbing was that The Rock's first movie or was he in the second one he was only in the second one I think the second one's his first movie though. and he's actually barely in the second right, one right? it's like a big CG spider he's, rock or something he himself physically is in the first scene in the flashback yeah and then there's like a CGI back, version maybe of him. he did the thing with the dots on his head like mocap but even that it was that 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 Scorpion King is the special effects are atrocious yeah. in that second one like Worse than anything in the first one. All right, I'm going to put down the gas even more than I've been pressuring us to get through this. So we can. I want to make sure we get all the way to Chill Factor in September. Uh, next week, Ghost Dog, pretty pretty well remembered movie, and then also actually Ghost Dog came out just a day before Star Wars Episode One, which I actually don't want to talk about at all. I feel like there's nothing left to say about oh, it. Wow. Do you have anything to say about Episode One? Not really. Yeah, it's like, what do you want to say about it? It's been, not it's, because it's been not uh, not I'm not not to kick the movie or anything while it's down or whatever, but yeah, like what's like yeah, like I also don't want to talk about Force Awakens, <laughs> which I liked. Like it's just like it's it's well, out. If we talk about Episode One, we will. If we talk about Episode One, we will be the nine thousandth podcast to talk about it. But I guarantee we're the first podcast to talk about Chill Factor. Right, right, right. Well, the next week, May twenty eighth. Uh, as episode one came out, some counter-programming, Notting Hill, which I've never seen, but I wanted to note, because I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. That movie, like, I think I could describe the plot of it and key scenes, like, in pretty good detail, and I've never seen it. What is the plot of it? Well, she's a movie star. <laughs> this, is, this is great. People who have never seen Notting Hill describe the plot of Notting Hill. She's a movie yeah. star, and something happens, and she goes to Notting Hill, and she meets him at the bookstore. They have a meet-cute at the bookstore. Yeah, and he runs a bookstore. And then all is lost, and then she says, I'm just a girl looking for a guy to tell him he loves her or something like that, and then So the plot is about a normal guy dating a movie star. Yes. Right. I I think so. That's my impression anyway. I've never seen it either, but I know Richard Curtis wrote it, who I I like. I I think he's, you know, he's written some of the most famous romantic comedies ever, so I should see it just to, I'm, I'm a completist, but... That is counter-programming, though, for sure. I'm going to keep rolling here. June 8th, Austin Powers 2. Oh, I love that movie so much. I actually didn't like Austin Powers 2. I really? love Austin Powers 1. I found we're 2. Kind of some disagree. We were yeah. different people back then. Austin, I don't know. I found 2. Whatever. Everyone. I don't everyone, like 3. I've never seen 3. I thought it was part of it at a bar. I think the crazy... I, I wish... I think the f- Beyonce being the female lead in part 3 is like one of the most fascinating like pop cultural Could have been. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just so... No one ever talks about it, and it's just so. And the movie, I don't think the movie's great. I mean, she's not like embarrassing. It's not. A, it's not an embarrassing credit, really. But it's just so. That's how famous Beyonce is. That like her being a, the female lead in this um, insanely huge movie franchise is like the weird footnote to yeah. her career. Like that's how famous she is. Uh, August or June eighteenth. We're still in June. Tarzan. Which confession time? I've never seen Disney's Tarzan. I've never that seen Disney's Tarzan. Because you're a big, you're a big. Uh, I like Disney movies. I've never seen Disney's Tarzan. Have you seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame? I did see that one in theaters. That was not my favorite. That was always a weird one for them to adapt, though. It's got its fans. Maybe it's worth revisiting. Was Tarzan the last of like that era of Disney movies? Maybe Hercules is after. I don't know what I mean by that era, but well, like, the, no, they stopped doing two D animated movies like not yeah. too many years after that. Like, there's maybe Hercules if that hadn't happened yet. And then, like, Home on the Range and the Brother brother Bear, but, like, then that was it for, like, ten years, you know? 
I the one thing I've never seen Tarzan. Maybe missing one, but that's basically it. The one thing I know is that Phil Collins did the music for it, which is awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, the next week, Big Daddy. I actually made a note to discuss John Stewart in an acting role, but we already did that. Uh, the next week. Uh, Wild Wild West, which I've never seen, believe it or not. I should watch Wild that Wild is West. Insane. It's insane seen to me that, that I've never seen it. How is that? How? How? Well, you know, it also came out the weekend of South Park the movie, which I did see in theaters, which yeah. is, boy, what, you, a, what a great selection. How I made old that were weekend. you? I would have been. Uh, 1999. So I would have been seven. I could have. I could have just been 17. Yeah, I could have been 17. I remember having my cousin's dad had to go with us because we couldn't see it alone because we weren't 18 and it was rated R. Yeah, it was a really big deal. Like, yeah, every, yeah. We, you know, we used to buy tickets for like you know. I, I can probably. I guess the statute of limitations has passed. I can confess <laughs> that we used to buy tickets for like non R rated. No, movies but they were like we we would have done the same thing, but they were like on. They some like, weeks they are. They, it was like all hands on deck because they knew that was like. If there's ever a movie that like kids are going to want to right, see before right. they're an R-rated movie. Uh, I remember once we went to see The Corrupter, a completely forgettable movie that I guarantee no one who is listening remembers. It is yeah. Chow Yun-Fat and Mark Wahlberg, I think. I think. I can't remember a single thing about it except it's rated R, and we bought tickets to Message in a Bottle, which is like this ah, Paul Newman romantic yeah. comedy, and we snuck Kevin into Costner. The Corrupter. Kevin, yeah. I think Paul Newman might be oh, in yeah, too. Oh, yeah, both of them, yeah. I never saw it because I snuck into The Corrupter, and except my friend Mike, you know my friend Mike, didn't, didn't yeah. make it in. Like, all of us got in, but they caught Mike sneaking in, and so Mike had to watch Message in a Bottle. Ah. <laughs> and after The Corrupter, we like came into Message in the Bottle, and we were like, yo, let's go. He's like, hold on, I, I want to see the end of this movie. That's <laughs> such a funny story. Um, Wait, the, the I think about South Park, that movie, which is great. So f- I watched it like a year ago uh, again, and it is unbelievable. It's funny you go because I love South Park, and I'm sure, but old episodes like I'm not saying it hold up, but like you know, it's not. It's funny in a much different way yeah. now than it used to be. Yeah. And yet, so I think if I watch an episode of South Park from '99, I would only kind of like it. But if I watched that movie, and I, when I have seen that since that movie, since yeah, I've seen it. More recently than I've seen episodes from '99, mm-hmm. and it holds up so well. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's just so fucking funny. I watched that in Team America last year, and I like, I just couldn't believe how good they were. Um, next week, Summer of Sam. Week after that, American Pie and Arlington Road. Wow, this is did, crazy. Did, did they release an American Pie reboot like a year ago? Something like that. I think. I, I think like five years ago. It's bro. funny. I was like, am I a, like not a reboot, but like, a, like, like, but like. American Reunion. They brought everyone back. Yeah. Not one of the directed videos one. And it was just like, it was, I'm only like 70% sure that happened. Like, I'm pretty sure it happened, but also like, it could not have happened and I can totally just imagine it so easily yeah, yeah. that- No, it happened. American Reunion. I remember that, um, spoiler, Stifler, still a dog. <laughs> oh my God, Stifler. No, American Pie, gotta give credit where credit's due. That movie was like, a, that was an icon, in its own totally. little way, iconic. 99, and Matrix, American Pie, I know they're very different movies, but they both were influential in their own ways. The next week, listen to this, can you believe this is a fucking summer movie? Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, wow. I've, which I also saw and formed an opinion about when I was 17. I'm sure I completely appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Kubrick, so like, and that's... Have you seen it recently, or at all? Oh, yeah, I've seen it many times. Good? Yeah, yeah. Is it good? Oh, I love it. I mean, I love, I love... Yes, I think it's great. I think it is. Um, it's not his best movie, but it's even his like worst movie is better than most movies, and I really mean that a lot. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird, um, but I. If you like, you know, it has everything you like about Kubrick. It's like Terrence Malick. Like this, if you like the sort of DNA of his movies, like it has what you want in it. It's very, 
it's weird. It's mysterious. It's beautifully shot. It's you know that's crazy. It's a it's a it's a um. It's like just imagine it coming out in like July and being like. You saw American Pie. Well, now get ready for the next crazy I mean, sex comedy. The thing that I'm, the thing I'm taking, and maybe it's the same way, and I'm just not paying attention as much, which is totally possible. But the big theme to identify a thematic takeaway from this whole episode, of which I'm destroying my tangents, please, is like summers used to be more interesting with what the movies were. Yeah, released. I sound like a fogey, but well, like just movies I, used to be. Yeah, well, it's just like. Yeah, the non-reboot thing is interesting. We say, I think we say that every summer. I think Phenomenon being the number two movie after Independence Day in the country is amazing. I think Phenomenon's that, like a hit fucking movie. Like, big hit. But that would never happen in, in a summer in 2016. It's true. Like, it's what true. are the top ten now, probably? It's, it's probably very like hard. and whatever. I don't know. Um, Sorry. We should look at the top ten. We'll, we'll, we could say. Uh, then we got the haunt. The next week, July 23rd, The Haunting and Inspector Gadget. Two movies I still haven't seen. One mm, 17 years later at this point. The Haunting? You know who's in The Haunting? Owen Wilson. Oh, that's funny. That's another Jean de Bont. That's probably his next movie after Twister. I think it's Jan de Bont. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're but right. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, where am I? Okay. This next week. Oh, no. Hold up. First, I want to talk about July 28th, the release of Deep Blue Sea. Oh, wow. 99? Uh, really? I saw Deep Blue Sea in theaters and... I guess spoiler alert, right? The uh, Samuel L. Jackson scene where Sa- Samuel L. Jackson gets Steven Seagal an executive decision there, which is to say, like, one of the bankable stars gets killed off, like, suddenly, yeah. very early on in the movie. I'd say later, he gets killed off a little bit later than Seagal got cut, cut, killed off in his. Uh, Seagal in decision got killed off, like, in the first, like, 20 minutes. Right. I, anyway, I'm sorry. But I just. You're right, th- yes. That scene where a shark eats Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson. Kind of the situation is just set in that they're trapped, that they're sharks or whatever. And like Samuel Jackson gives this big rousing movie Samuel Jackson speech. We're going to do it. We're going to band together. And as he's doing it, a shark emerges from the background and eats him whole. And it's staged like for comedy, you know, like you can see it kind of yeah. happening. You yeah. can see that this shark, like what the shit that's about to go down. And I think it's like one of my all time favorite. Uh, movie going memories is like that specific scene like no one was expecting it it's a funny like to have him eaten not just having him eaten early but having him eaten in the middle of that speech just being such a like a good joke I just really remember it being like really clearly and like uh, just really enjoying that moment of the movie that reminds me like to go back to um Maybe it's a little more famous than this one, but it, it, it it's sort of the same thing like we, to go back to Dragonheart with I Am The Last One like it's not that movie. I don't know how you know, it's another moment from a movie that it's kind of low key, doesn't really have a huge cultural impact as a whole. And yet, that Sammy, I've seen like Samuel Jackson getting eaten by the shark referenced in like the Clerks cartoon and Chappelle show right. and a couple of other things. Like, it just had this weird staying power far beyond the actual success of the movie, like the Dragonheart thing, right? Right, right. And I don't know why. I guess it, it is, a, it's, it's it is a funny, shocking. It's shocking and funny. It's yeah. also funny. The other thing I remember about that movie is the LL Cool J theme song. LL Cool J is also in that movie. But I remember that he, does a, he, he does the song, right. and I just visited Crater Lake, which is in Oregon, unbelievably beautiful. It is the deepest lake in America and one of the deepest lakes in the world, and it's also unbelievably blue. And I was saying deep is blue as my hand is like a shark the entire <laughs> fucking time I was there. The entire time, I'm like... 
it's the deepest, bluest, my hand is like a shark. Like, I can't say deep, comma, blue without <laughs> yeah. thinking my hand is like a shark fin. Yeah, go figure that movie. I mean, it's a pretty fun movie. I, I guess the more I think about it, like, I don't have a lot of yeah, bad things it's, to it's say fun. about it's, it. It's yeah. a fun movie. It doesn't take itself very seriously, to its credit. Uh, the next week, huge week, two really great movies, July 30th, The Iron Giant, which I just can't get into or I'll have too much to say. I will just quickly gesture to my left to my DVD collection and note that I have The Iron Giant filed with the Pixar DVDs, the highest honor I can bestow a film from my living room, you know? Wait, am I looking at this now? Oh, yeah, you do. The Iron Giant. Guys, I can confirm it, this. It goes in with the Pixar DVDs. That's Why? how much I like That's The Iron Giant. It's not a Pixar movie, right? I know, but it's Brad Bird, and I just, I don't know. It's, 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 that's how much I like The Iron Giant. Is it really right. there? Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing it right there, Between yeah. Monsters, Inc. and A Bug's Life. Chronological. Is that true? Oh my god! Uh, so that's you're so, such a nerd. I'll just leave the <laughs> iron. Such a nerd. I'll, I'll leave it there on the Iron Giant. But I want to talk about Blair Witch because I actually don't know if you know this, but do you, do you know that yesterday they revealed that the this is uh, we're recording this this week. We're recording this uh, what's today? July twenty fourth, and I'm releasing this two days later. So like this week, this came out, and I don't know if you know this yet because it was yesterday at Comic Con. Uh, there was a movie coming out in October called The Woods. And it was like a horror movie. And yesterday at Comic-Con, they revealed that The Woods has actually been a secret Blair Witch sequel. No, I didn't and, know that. And The Woods is actually Blair Witch. It's just called Blair Witch. Like, I saw on that's Twitter. how you reboot movies now is you get rid of the the, you know? So it's just Blair Witch. That's and true. That's so, like, Fast and Furious. So it's a... Uh, and Jason Bourne. Well, that's a different thing, but so whatever. So it's a horror movie about, like, they go... It's like the... This uh, a sibling of the people from the original movie going. Is it found footage? No, but they seem to be reviewing found footage in it. It looks like a traditionally shot horror movie. The trailer looks kind of cool, actually. I hope will it honor Blair Witch Two, Book of Shadows. No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it. I guess what I wanted to ask is like if you liked Blair Witch and if you just like remember it coming out because it was a re- it was a really big deal when it came out. Yeah, it scared the crap out of me. Really, I really scary. The, I thought it, I mean I was also young enough to like not be sure if it was real or not. Like I fell for the whole like viral right. marketing thing. I think by the time I saw it, I knew it was fake but it was like the internet was so weird and primordial that like i think in the weeks leading up it was like yeah there's this thing and like it wasn't exactly clear it was done probably arguably the most influential movie on this entire list you know like the fact that that came out the same summer as uh the matrix makes 99 maybe like the the biggest like the most important summer in movie history i just i really remember that that seeing it opening night and like the ending being very haunting like with the guy staring at the wall there's a shot of that in the trailer there's a shot of someone staring like in the corner just like staring at the wall and it kind of made me want to see it well two things which is so great like nothing even happens it's just like someone staring at the wall but that image like really stuck with me I'm going to say two things real quick. The first thing, I did... So I wrote a review of the second Blair Witch movie for this blog I had. Yeah, if you're still listening to this podcast, you should check out Pat's blog, which I basically ripped this idea off of. What's that blog called? Ten-year-old movies. Ten-year-old movies. I haven't... I mean, I stopped doing this like five years ago. So So they're 15-year-old movies now, but it's... You Google Pat Castle, ten-year-old movies. But one of them was Blair Witch 2, and just by virtue of doing Blair Witch 2, I had to research Blair Witch 1. Yeah. And the, the, the... it was so fascinating. First of all, I think it's one of the last movies that really was like, could ever be like, is it real or is it not? Like, you can never do yeah, that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people will just figure it out. But the other thing, it was on the cover of Time Magazine, which was still still mattered back then, and um, there was this whole article of like, like, and they use the internet. Like, just by having right. an internet website, they were able to like get people to care about their movie. Like, it was this totally revelatory thing that like in, the internet mattered yeah, in promoting your movie. Yeah, and that's potentially where... the 
potentially that's the legacy the of the movie is like it, using internet marketing to like create buzz and get people to go see a movie. But the second thing is a question for you. Why do you think, given that paranormal activity was an, also a huge hit and then launched a million like ripoff found footage movies, yeah. why didn't, or did it, why did the Blair Witch like launch, why weren't there a, a million other like found footage horror movies after the Blair Witch? Because it's, it was so ahead of his time yeah. and not only ahead of his time, but like, no one really copied it until well, found until footage probably, paranormal activity. Found footage probably makes more sense and is easier to produce now than it was even just in 1999 because yeah. like they probably shot the Blair Witch on film, which is fucking hard and expensive. Yeah, but like paranormal, I'm sure was all digital, and I'm sure like REC, like Rec, those movies, and like all the other found mo- footage movies are probably like really digital, made really cheap. I mean, Blair Witch was made really cheap too, but uh, that's just my guess. It's a good question. It's a good question. Like, it's interesting that like Paranormal Activity does feel like it was ripped off more than Blair Witch, even though Paranormal Activity is itself obviously a descendant of Blair Witch. Um, a, a weird little factoid um, that I also learned in that research is that Heather something who played the yeah. the lead in that the female lead in the Blair Witch Project, probably in one of the most iconic shots of the nineties, right, right, the, right. the close up with right. the snot dripping down. She is now a huge like pot legalization. Like awesome. marijuana proponent, like you know, not just a pothead. Like she, yeah, writes books about it and articles. Huh. She's like on probably normal and all that stuff. I here's a fun fact. I love the house I lived in college. I had one of my the one of the guys from the Blair Witch lived in the house I lived in college before I did. W- one of the actors in yeah, it. Yeah, one of the actors, not her. One of the two guys was. Did when the they directors were in have like? Did they? Or at least that was the legend in my house. I like I have like no citation for that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. I that's that movie. Deserves a rewatch. I bet it's. I bet it holds up. Like it's hard to imagine. It, like found footage. Like the novelty's so gone. But there are bad found footage movies. Like it's so you can do it so lazily now. Yeah. That's whereas true. then, like it's all it's still in grainy, like black and white kind of stuff. Um. Yeah. Blair Witch. Like it's kind. Of, I, I got to say, I was kind of impressed that they had that they found a clever marketing angle for this third one, like a way to surprise you with the marketing, because that's part of Blair Just Witch. Just you know? for that not to be leaked is a miracle. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, like the poster for the woods in the negative space of the trees, it's just a bunch of trees, and in the negative space, you can now see there was like, you know those like hanging Blair Witch Of course, doll? yeah, yeah. There are, there's a lot of them in the trailer, but like the negative space for the poster of the woods formed one of those. So they were like hinting at it, but no one picked up on it, which is cool. That's hard to do. Definitely. Um. Okay. We gotta wrap this up, boy. This is the, this is probably the last really big one we gotta talk about, though. August sixth, Thomas Crown Affair, which I've never seen, but then out of fucking nowhere comes this movie, The Sixth Sense. Wow, one of the most. I mean, this is fun. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, I know we've said it's this fun a lot. for us. I hope it's fun for the audience. <laughs> but uh, iconic lines and shots. I mean, Jesus, I see dead people. Come on, that's like. Of that's, course, that's, that's definitely like on AFI's like top hundred movies quotes or whatever. The you know? Sixth Sense. Um, I'm not sure if it's still there, but for a long time it was the number in the top ten highest grossing films. Yeah. ever. I don't think it's time. there anymore, but yeah, it was such a phenomenon. Considering, and every other one was either like Titanic or Star Wars, right? And right. just to be on that—that's insane. What a summer! Yeah, that Matrix. Lo- that's really a really treat out of nowhere. Yeah, I love. Th- I mean, Shyamalan gets a lot of guff, but I've I he's got some movies I love. I, you know, my favorite Shyamalan movie is Signs. I really like Signs. Not Unbreakable. When, oh, no, never mind. I, Unbreakable is my favorite. I love I would them. Guess I, love, I, do, I do really like Unbreakable. Signs is good, too. Signs really caught me when I saw it in theaters. Like, for some reason, I remember seeing Signs and, like, driving home and being like, there's aliens everywhere. Like, for some reason, like, Signs just worked on me like it was supposed to. Even though, like, the I water thing's yeah. kind of dumb and, like, all these other things are kind of dumb. 
I, I remember it just being, I just remember it being scary. Like for some reason, just like got its hooks in me and like did what a horror movie was supposed to do. And Mel, uh, and you were like that Mel Gibson stand-up guy. Uh, but, <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen. But with I him. do really like. I do as I like superhero movies and Unbreakable is like this like surprise superhero movie. It's like halfway through, it's like surprise. You're watching a superhero movie. You're watching like totally like an uber superhero movie. That's like going all, like hard on the beats of a superhero movie. You know, it'd that's be like, like the point yeah, of the movie. And you almost couldn't do it now because it would have because superhero movies are so ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, that's it true. It would have a different like context to it yeah that's right whereas like at the time it was just before x-men like it was just before that whole big superhero wave but yeah crazy. i just got a few movies to close out the summer here they are bowfinger which i mentioned i actually saw bowfinger like six weeks ago because i was home and it was on netflix and i watched <laughs> it with my parents and uh so like i was like hey, you watch the weirdest movies with your parents like <laughs> i do not i envy i wish i could just watch weird movies with my parents um the 13th warrior Came out August 27th. One of my least favorite movies I've ever seen in theaters. I hated <laughs> seeing that in theaters. I was so, like, uncomfortable just sitting there. I really hated that movie. It's a John McTiernan movie with Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah. I think it's based on a... Crichton novel. Crichton novel, yeah. yeah. And then here we are, September 1st, Chill Factor. I've never seen Chill Factor. Me neither. I know of it. It's legendarily terrible. Uh, okay. Ulrich and, and Gooding Jr. Uh, uh, Emmy nominee Gooding Jr. Is emitting smoke again. I'm just going to try turning this knob. Hey, Jeff, I'm, are you sure? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's All right. This time we have gone backwards to what some people will sell you is the greatest movie summer of all time. It is the year I was born, 1982. Whoa, have, have you heard this? That 1982 is the greatest movie summer of all time? I have not heard this theory. Well, listen to this. Or fact, I don't know. May 14th, 1982, Conan the Barbarian, which I actually just watched for the first time, like, oh, pretty recently. It's pretty great. I Pr- just felt the spirit of John Gabris, like, peek over my shoulder. <laughs> I hope he's listening to this, because... Yeah, I, get, have you seen Conan? It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah, I've seen both of them. I've uh, I've only seen the first one. I've never seen it. It's kind of boring, because it's like, just, like, long and, like, not I... particularly focused, but it's cool. It's no, cool. yeah, it's... It has a, I would not say boring. I think it has a sort of like pre MTV, like deliberate pacing to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, that's right. That's it's right. Just like Planet of the Apes or whatever. Right. It's definitely from a different era, but it's cool. This The music from that, from those movies, uh, I can't remember the guy who does it. It's like Nino Pop, some Greek dude or something, but the music in those movies is like legendary. It's such good music. Then. Uh, a week later, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which I've actually never seen, but I thought I'd mention it because I've Steve seen Martin. Right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the box at like a video store, so I thought I'd bring it up. Maybe no, that a, I've never seen that either. This I is know. not part of the greatest. I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know, but that's not. I'm I'm still building my case here. The the case for this thing. May twenty eighth, Rocky three again. Not not great. I'm, I'm I'm getting there. This wasn't like some. I don't think summer movies were like quite a thing like they were. You know, it was like like now it's like every week it's like what's coming out. Just having a Rocky is good. Yeah, I don't. Ro- three is actually. My, even though I know I don't, you can pity me yeah. as a fool. Yeah, but I think it is the worst. Five is probably the worst. Five I is the three worst. is my three is my second least favorite. After I guess five. no two's two is kind of like two is kind of like unnecessary. I guess. Sorry. Yeah, Rocky Three is not great. The franchise is definitely in decline there. But there's a Rocky movie. All Maybe right. Two's the worst in a weird way. June fourth, the next week, things really get oh, serious. Sorry. Poltergeist and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So, strong weekend. One weekend with those two movies. Fucking class. Both of those are classics in the genre. I mean, Star Trek II is still the best Star Trek movie, even after Star Trek Beyond, which is pretty good. And 
Poltergeist, Poltergeist yeah. great horror movie. Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper yeah. of uh, Chainsaw Massacre, but That's it's right. kind of like believed that Spielberg. It's right. like it's almost like an, a, a de facto Spielberg movie, right? Which is totally obvious. Like amazing special effects, big a lot of emotion, and then really just it's sort of set in like the Southern California suburbs, Spielberg Town, well, Spielberg Town, ET, basically yeah. set ET Etville. Poltergeist, is Stranger great. Things, they same. rebooted it recently to. Ab- complete indifference from oh uh, yeah god you- I think there's a cool cast though I feel like someone was good someone good was in it but no one care which is the correct response um the whole this house is clear famous quote June just listen to this though a week later June 11th Grease 2 alright whatever and E.T. E- got a shout out to Amanda Ferry she loves one Grease. of her favorite movies she loves Grease 2 yeah. people like Grease 2 but E fucking T man isn't it? It's just hard to imagine, like, the weekend E.T. came out, that, like, E.T. was a new movie, and people were like, should we see what this E.T. movie is yeah, about? Yeah, you yeah, know? Like, e- I think E.T. was the highest racing movie of all time after it came In out, wasn't Till it? Until Jurassic Park, yeah. So, like, that's how good Spielberg this was. This is where it started. It, it was, I saw it in my childhood. It was re released a few years later, which I think was uncommon at the time. Um, with that, where they famously replaced the gun? No, no, no. That's like many years later, oh, but like okay, five years later or yeah. something like that, it was uh, re released in the theaters. Because I think, like, home video wasn't quite as big as it was. And E.T. is just a fucking classic. i actually been meaning to re- Watching Stranger Things has made me want to revisit E.T. Because I actually talk about iconic scenes. That's, an, that's a different decade, so we're talking about a new, new set of iconic scenes. But uh, I, outside the iconic scenes, The Finger, E.T. Go Home, all that shit, uh, I really don't remember E.T. very well. Like, what happens in, like, the first act? Like, I really don't remember. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've been thinking about revisiting it. Stranger Things has definitely put it in my head that, like, I should check it out again. I bet it's good. And... It, it it almost it's not Oz because it is really good like it, it's yeah. bulletproof it's Oz proof but we were talking so many of the things we talked about like, like I missed the movies like the Goonies style movies that's ET e. kind of started yeah. that trend of like kids getting into adventures with magical things yeah well where's your point earlier there should be less magical things ET has totally got a magical thing but friendship friendship's the magical thing but it's not yes but you can have magical elements I just mean like don't make it like a dystopian novel series epic kind gotcha. of yeah, yeah, yeah. not fun very ser- I'm, I don't know, I'm criticizing these movies but you know what I'm saying also E.T. it's like there's an alien like that's all you need to know like Divergence like alright there's a society and the society does this and this faction does that like E.T.'s like well, I bet one there's thing. some like this is like a good Scott Gardner like research thing but like there's probably so many great things from that from like the, the year after that where it's like commercials with E.T. in it like E.T. presenting an Oscar right. that year at the Oscars like I, he, I remember that being like there's so many photos of like how how like a how like a plucky director and a little brown guy from space like yeah. blah 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 you know uh, I've seen at I think you were there uh, there was like a bar and they had like this old poster and it was like an E T drunk driving poster and it was like E T says don't go home if you're drunk or something like phone that home yeah, and yeah, phone home get a car right 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 and it's just like a picture E T like with a phone and it's like there's know. a hey the aliens right. <laughs> <laughs> There is a sequel novel that apparently yeah. is supposed well, to be really good. It's not good, but like it talks about his like mythos, like which yeah. is like not the point of the movie at totally, all. But it's funny. But like, it's like the race has a name, and there's like other ETs. Apparently, I just saw this, this is a random thing. But is, just, is it based on a book in the first place, or is the novel? No, no. Melissa Matheson wrote it. Who is she? Wrote a lot of Spielberg's movies. She actually wrote um, the BFG, even though she died like four or five years ago already. But the yes. BFG is one of her yes, scripts, exactly. And. But was it, it was not based on a book. There's just a novelization sequel. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly, funny. Yeah. Just like, yeah, E.T., what, what, there's a name for the race, like whatever the race is. and Which they, is sort of like not the magic of the movie. A hundred percent, totally. It's not about E.T. It's about Elliot and the family and shit, It right? reminds me, there's, right? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course. Like, there's also a se- it reminds me there was a sequel to 2001 called 2010 that came out. Right. Well, those, that Schneider. was a book first. Or the 2001. That's true. And I'm I, I'm kind of not I'm kind of disassociating the movies from the books because because 2001. Yeah, is, 2001 is a weird book to movie history. It's Kubrick, and it's so beautifully abstract. And then, but then the sequel, which is a sequel to the movie, because like the actor from the first one, yeah, the second yeah, yeah. one, but. It, like it just says like okay so like the monolith is actually this radioactive block that we have to like disarm or something yeah. it just totally removes the magic there's a I actually read them all when I was uh, this age <laughs> there, there's a whole series of them and I, there's a 2000 are I they wanna... like as I, I've are they good for a kid to read like they seem so I weird don't, I don't know but I read them I was just into science fiction I guess and they are weird but there's 2011 there's 2060 something and then. Um, I remember when they released because it came out like around this time. There's like a three thousand one that takes place like a thousand years later, where they, I think they find Dave Bowman in space or something like wow. that, and then it's like in the distant future, and there's like a holodeck and shit. Um, Bowman being the one who Hal kills, right? Yeah, yeah, he's like the astronaut who gets ejected into space, but like they find his body and resuscitate him, and maybe Hal's still around. I forget. Well, Hal's a computer. Hal, Hal never dies. It's uh, it's actually kind of surprising now that we're talking about it that there's two 2001 books that haven't been filmed and like no one in Hollywood is like, hey, what's over here? And they like, just don't like. I don't think you. They don't draw them. I mean, that movie's famous, but it's. I guess you're right. Who knows? I mean, I agree that like I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's like a really recognized thing that has like a book that has not been right. turned into a movie yet. So like. That like put aside have, the 2001. Yeah, in, thing. In, in, in a in a Hollywood where we are we are uh, filming Ender's Game and The Giver. Right. Why right. aren't we doing more Arthur C. Clarke books? I don't think th- I don't I don't think they should do it. But I'm just saying they're out there and they exist. Listen, if you're listening, Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> uh, is Arthur C. Clarke alive? I don't think he is. Uh, no. Okay. So, all right, check this out. June what is 4th, alive? June fourth, Poltergeist slash Star Trek two. June eleventh, ET. June twenty fifth. This is unfucking believable. These two movies came out in one weekend. Which of these two movies would you see if they came out? Blade Runner and The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing and Blade Runner. Same fucking weekend. I mean, knowing what I know now, I would see The Thing, which sounds maybe yeah. controversial because I know Blade Runner is like, like the classic. But I love, I love The, the thing. thing. I yeah. would also pick The Thing. Or you and I, we, this but came those, up in this very two, podcast. Like, two, those are two of the all-time great sci-fi movies. So different, though, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like, they're both sci-fi technically, but you cannot pick two. Like, Blade Runner is this art, artful, smart, kind of quiet. I mean, artful, smart, uh, delicate, noir. And The Thing is just this awesome snowy dude got graphic i think but i like the thing well the blade runner is actually i i think i don't i blade runner i just never really had the love of of other sure. people like i don't dislike it i just like no i agree i'm not i've never been able to keep up with i also feel like i was growing up when like there was a new version of it every, every year and it got annoying i'm more passionate i'm like you and i think this is like the wrong answer and like in your film course but i am more like I just connect more with the thing because I guess I like fun movies and the thing is great because it's like fun as hell because it's like got all these monsters and cool special effects but it's also like a pretty good movie it's like yeah. a lot of like meat on those bones you know it's like I think it might be the best Carpenter movie like arguably. yeah I actually just listened to Carpenter on WTF he was on WTF and I oh, think he said awesome. that it was his he thought it was the best horror movie he made and I was like yep I was like nodding in agreement with him the practical effects in that are unparalleled yep yep 
and it's also very artfully done. Like it's I, I, I the reason I, I, I like it's almost in its own way as artful as Blade Runner. It's very shot very beautifully, which it, it's aided by this, these beautiful kind of like snowscapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an Antarctica. Um, the ending has this cool ambiguous ending. Kurt Russell, who's awesome. They also remade that recently, unfortunately. Too well. Here's I I did want to see, but it, the thing is a remake too. Itself, the thing that's right, of like a 50s movie. And I heard the I actually wanted to see that the new one because it's actually a prequel. Because remember uh, the opening scene when the Icelandic guys are shooting the dog? Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the thing infects the American base because they explore that Icelandic base where everyone uh, dies. So it's like the Icelandic base, which I thought gave it a little more yeah, it's interesting than it would normally have. I'm sure it's. I'm assuming it's not as good. Um, who knows? I don't know. It's such a good premise for a movie. It's surprising they didn't make more of those. Maybe neither of those movies was very successful in their time. I don't think Blade Runner Aren't was. you waiting for Carpenter to have like... I don't... I, I haven't watched probably like three of his last yeah. five movies, but like they're just... Like Escape from Mars, there's no way that's as good as like... Even Escape from thing. Mars is like 2000 already. It's like a yeah. 15-year-old movie. But he just or Mission like, to Mars. I think it's called Mission to Mars. Maybe if George Miller can do Mad Max Fury Road, then yes. like John Carpenter should have another yeah. thing in him. Well, you know what he talked about in WTF is he does music now. Of course, he wrote the theme song for Halloween and a lot of his other movies. I think and, I think he did the thing music too. And yeah, he's like he's touring. He has a CD and he's like touring with his kids. Ooh, we should see him. Yeah, we should go. That'd be fun. I think he's coming to Brooklyn. I'm sure he is. <laughs> like if he's not. That, he's, wrong. he's got fans here. Uh, okay. Next week, Secret of Nim. Okay. Pretty good movie. I don't really have a lot to say about it, but I have fond memories of it. No, never. Ne- third one I've never heard of. Secret of Nim? The Rats of Nim? You don't know that? It's Don Bluth. It's also a book. Oh, man. I'm surprised you don't know that one. Uh, Don Bluth is like the, the other animator. Yeah, that, he like, left Disney. All Dogs Go to Heaven and stuff. Yeah, yeah. he left Disney and he did. He had a nice little, nice little run in the yeah. Did he do movies. The Rescuers? No, The Rescuers is Disney. Okay. Uh, the next week, Tron. Tron. The original Tron. Tron. I actually saw Tron uh, at the Museum of the Moving Image and like a uh, screening like uh, it was like a film print of tron like and it tron. was fucking great i yeah. it was so fun to see on the big screen and in 1982 you, hot? I, I, you don't have to answer but i feel like it's a good movie to see high because definitely. it's so visually crazy and i think narratively it's not great but no but like i can't it's crazy to see it now so like i can only imagine in 1982 um like it must have really blown people's minds and i actually went back and i watched the siskel and ebert review of it you can just like pull up old Siskel and Ebert reviews. You love doing that. You always do that. I do think it's fun. It's just fun to see like what did people think of Tron before it was like its own thing. And yeah. they loved it. And they're both like, I've never seen anything like this on the screen. Like it really pops. And right. like, I think that's what you, you, you almost, you'll probably never say that about special effects again. Like I can't imagine they'll ever create anything with special effects where I'll be like, how'd they do that? You know, like I just assume they can do anything. Yeah, but this funny. was like really <laughs> like, like they were really blown away by like the effects. Like it's, it's the thing that like, it's just this reaction you can't add to special effects anymore where they were like, see it on the biggest screen you can. Yeah. It shoots off the screen, you know? Like, they were just so excited about it. And and they were right. Like, the Tron, even though it's not the best no, movie, no, like, they were on to something, you I'm know? I'm being a little harsh on it. Like, I, I think, like, this... It's actually the idea is very smart. Like, the idea of going into video games is actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's... Uh, some... There's a, it does a lot of credit for finding a really cool original idea to, as, an, as a vehicle. But, it, it's, but it's obviously meant to showcase these special effects which is kind of weird because there are cg effects in it but it was also it was mainly just this weird like reverse photography like lighting effect 
Well, like, you know, like, it's not a, it's not a digital well, that, Jeff Bridges. Right. It's just like this weird lighting thing. Well, like there are some there is some digital stuff like a lot of the vehicles and the light cycles. But then master control program. But every single scene has some like every yeah. single scene is awesome looking because of it. You know, like the music's very good. I, it's yeah. some some band of the, I think Tangerine Dream or someone did the music. Or I don't something. know if it's Tangerine Dream though. They did. That's a good. That's a great safe guess for eighties movie cool soundtracks. Um, um, but it is great. It's great. I like Tron. I like Tron quite a bit. I was. What's I gonna say about Tron? No, you're right. It's totally the special effects are awesome. Avatar maybe is the last one where it was yeah. like. Well, the 3D was a new thing. And you, you and I have disagreed about. I don't mm. think Avatar is amazing narratively speaking. Sure, but it probably is the last movie that. And even then, it's like not really as iconic. Yeah, but it remember. had this splash as being like the see it because it's so yeah. visually insane. I, I definitely remember the opening moments of Avatar, which had better 3D than movie. Like the 3D in Avatar, it wasn't just three. It wasn't just that it was in 3D. Like it was particularly good 3D. And I do remember the first shot of that movie, which is fairly unremarkable. It's like he kind of emer- wakes up from some sleep pod, and like other people are getting out of their sleep pods, and just being like, "Whoa!" And like I, I just remember seeing it and being feeling like it was something new. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, you're a big techno nerd. Yeah, Jeff is a way more into like VR and stuff than I am. Sure. Do you think, I mean, is the next thing like an avatar for your, Jeff owns an Oculus. Like, sure. Is there going to be an avatar for your Oculus that's going to be like mind I don't blowing? know. I'm very bullish on Oculus for like short, cool experiences and for video games, but I'm less certain that it will be used for film and for like a two hour movie where you like appreciate the story like I I, I the road to that is less right. clear to me but if James if you learn if there was some press release tomorrow that James Cameron had shot a movie in secret for Oculus definitely yeah. would you buy it would you listen uh, would you watch definitely. it definitely yeah. I'll first of all I'll do anything James Cameron tells me to do <laughs> that was a loaded I, I was a loaded question but, like, but, yeah, but be, you're right but it yeah. would be really interesting I think there's like a lot there's just a lot of chat a lot of questions it's like I don't know for like a video game there's a lot of cool like it immerses you but for a store for a movie like uh, editing and camera work are really important elements of movies to like yeah. make you look somewhere at a certain time and to like make a certain thing and you lose both of those like how to tell a movie how to tell a story in a cinematic way without cameras and without editing is like a pretty big question and it's not a technical solution it's a creative solution and I don't think anyone is really like I don't think it's unsolvable but I think they're pretty far away from it you know or I don't think they're necessarily close it just seems like you and I like you said this point which made sense is that tron was cool because we were seeing things we can never see again and it's it's really really hard to imagine anything being that unexpected because now it just seems like nothing would surprise me anything's possible because of computers but oculus maybe provides that in a weird way because yeah not even it's not even so much but even then, I guess you know what you're going to see. Well, you know what's cool about Oculus is I've been demoing it for people. Like, when they come over, it's like you throw it on them and show them some shit. It's like the main thing to do if you have Oculus is to yeah. like show it off to people because there's actually not that much to do with it. I've done it. You did it with me. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, when there's things where people fall, they're like, whoa. Or, like, if someone's flying, you see them, like, move a little. And it does make me think of kind of, like, the urban legends of when they'd show the great train robbery and the train would be coming at the screen yeah, yeah. and, like, the theater would run in panic. I think right. those are urban legends. Like, I don't think that's actually... Uh, that was doc- actually the Lumiere's uh, train arrival at station. But, uh, you not know, the like, it, it reminds me of that, where, like, people, like, are, their brains are just, like, not ready for this technology yet. And That's cool. So I think there's something... Yeah, I think it's possible we're at, like, the dawn of a new medium, like they were with cinema then. And... James Cameron, if you're listening... <laughs> 
and the dawn of cin- the dawn of cinema, which would peak July twenty third, nineteen eighty two, with the release of Scott Bayo Zapped. <laughs> Did he bring that because he spoke of the RNC? Uh, maybe. I mean, it was on the list. Like, I Zapped has been on my mind more lately than it was in the past in terms of like movies where someone with magical powers like sexually harasses women, but. Uh, yeah, I did see it. I thought it, it was is that so it. funny that what else came out? What were the previous ones? Like the fact that this came out the same summer yeah. as like Tron and E.T. Blade Runner and E.T. I is mean, hilarious. The word, the thing that Tron and Blade Runner and E.T. They're like different species of movies. Yeah. The thing that I can't believe Zap was released in theaters. The thing that Tron and Blade Runner really have in common is they're very visionary. Like that is the definition of a visionary movie to me. Is like, Are you calling Zap not visionary? <laughs> it's like... Those, like Ridley Scott and who who directed Tron? I actually don't know, but whoever whoever's responsible yeah. there, like they just like saw something that had not existed and like enacted it, and it's been extremely yeah. influential ever since. I think I can't remember the guy's name, but I think he's like, I think he's like a he was was or is or was for a long time like a and you would this is your wheelhouse, but like a Disney animation stalwart. Yeah, it's a, I know it's a Disney movie. Yeah. That yeah, I mean, which it's, is cool. And I, I had this special edition DVD for a long time. And they always talked about whenever a new tech, whenever something new is coming along, they would ask themselves, like, "What would Walt do?" Uh, and yeah. they're like, well, "What would Walt? Walt would not snub his nose at digital animation because right. he loved new stuff. That's he cool. was adventurous, you know." You know, I just watched this thing about Ansel Adams. It was a cool video about just like what made Ansel Adams special oh, and like cool. why he was the in- photographer, yeah, and like yeah. why he was interesting. And they had this clip of him towards the end of his life, and it's like the '70s or the '80s, and he was saying how. Uh, there's this th- digital photography is starting to happen. He's really excited about the That's possibilities awesome. I of that. Love him. And I yeah, love I thought that was so like that. cool because, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, he probably did more with film than anyone else ever, and that he was able at the end of his life to like not be intimidated by digital, but to like actually recognize the potential there. I think really speaks volumes about him. Did himself. you see Jobs the movie? Uh, Steve Jobs no, the Michael not. Fassbender one? No, I saw the Ashton Kutcher one. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> well, in in the in this in the Aaron Sorkin Fassbender one, the opening scene, which I thought was kind of cool, is. A, a really old, from like the 50s or 60s, television clip of Arthur C. Clarke on like Meet the Press or something. And he's talking about computers and he's like basically predicting the like the internet and the iPhone. Like immediately. And he's like, Oh, you, I believe in, in like 50 years we will have a device in our hand where you could buy movie tickets and mm-hmm. like very specific things. Like, yeah, you could, you could buy plane tickets or, or you know, or find like, you know, route where you're gonna go or whatever. And, a little different because that's more like predicting technology than like your art form. But still, it's cool to see old people being not scared of technology. Yeah, like embracing I it. Um, I think that's... Oh, no. I'm sorry. There's one more movie that came out this summer that's completely iconic. I mean, I can't believe we're not going out on Zapped. Let's get better than that. Uh, August 13th. You know what's weird about Zap, by the way, is that Scott Bayo and Willie Ames are both in it, and then they were later in Charles in Charge together. Like, what's up with that? Oh, that's pre-Charles in Charge? I don't know. I don't know, because I was so young that, like, it's all sort of, like... Willie Ames is, like, his friend or whatever. Yeah, he was buddy. I know... I watched so much fucking Charles in Charge. I know everything. I didn't know that. I watched so much... I know everything. I don't think I've ever seen a single episode of it. I know everything there is to know about Charles in Charge. I watched it all the goddamn time. He's a nanny? Yeah, he's a nanny. He's like, I think he's a college student, which is kind of weird because I kind of just viewed him as an adult. Um, weird thing about Charles in Charge is that the cast switch over and that like... He's is a name Boner? His name's Boner? No, Boner's from uh, uh, Growing Pains. Go on, sorry. So he's a nanny for this one family, the Pembrokes. What's the other family's name? Anyways, a family... and th- that fa- After the first season, that family like leaves the house 
and a new family moves in and like there's like basically like a second pilot where like Charles is like gonna move out now that this family's moving out but the new family convinces him to stay but there's they switch cast and there's one episode with both the cast in it where like they like sees like ships passing in the night that's so funny and it's like when I was a kid, I thought that was, like, just, like, it's just unusual. But, like, now that I think about it as an adult, it must have been such a fucking awkward day on set where they were, like, you kids, out. Like, you know, like, like new adults, new kids, just, like, yeah. to have them all on one set. And Charles and Buddy were the only two, the two constants. Like, everyone else changed. <laughs> like, in life, Scott Bay, always there. So, Zap Did came out. Did you see with RNC? No, I didn't watch him. He's, he spoke night one of the RNC. How was it? Very short and very boring. His speech was nothing really. He, he he said, make America America again, which is kind of weird. And then, yeah, weird and short. Uh, so, hard to believe that there's room for another high school comedy after Zap came out. But uh, Amir, actually, it's like a month later. Amir? Our Amir? <laughs> it's three or four weeks. Amir, four weeks later, uh, August 13th, 1982, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Maybe the definitive high school comedy. Yeah, that's a good one to go. Yeah, that is so funny. Also the same week, uh, Friday the 13th, part three, which I think I've seen, not the greatest Friday the 13th, and An Officer and a Gentleman, which I don't know. I've seen every Friday the 13th, but they all, like two through nine blurred to me. I think I've seen pieces of all of them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So that's the end of it. So let me just quickly, and we can talk about Fast Times, but Conan, Poltergeist, Star Trek II, E.T., Blade Runner, The Thing, Tron, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Those are like eight stone cold classic movies that came out. That's that pretty summer. good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would. Zach e- Nine, <laughs> ET and Blade Runner are two very very strong ones, and maybe, but, but after those, are you two, implying Tron is less than a stone cold classic? No, it's good. I, best summer ever. I'm a little skeptical only because. I just feel like E.T. and Blade Runner, as much as I love The Thing and Tron and Fast Times and even Zapped, E.T. and Blade Runner are kind of in the heavy lifting in that summer a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's just, it's like, there's it's also be funny one. just talking of things you would, like, there's no situation where Blade Runner and The Thing would get released in the same week now. Because I feel like they, the studios know what they're releasing for the next four years. And if there's like yeah. a sci-fi movie coming out, they're like, all right, we got to move our sci-fi movie up a month or down a month or whatever. And it's just like, it almost speaks, there's almost like a disorganization. Like, this is too much good stuff all at once. Like, there's just like, I, it seems like, it was just so much more casual. I also don't think summer movie season was quite a thing. I mean, I guess this is post-Jaws, post-Star Wars, but I don't think it's like a thing like it is now. And, I mean, uh, like yeah. the fact that, and I'd be curious to know like how much money Blade Runner made in its opening weekend and all that stuff. And like, I mean, certainly like, if Blade, if a movie as smart and interesting as Blade Runner came out and was number one at the box office in the summer, that would be awesome. Like to me, like the closest thing to Blade Runner that I've seen is Ex Machina, and I guarantee that wasn't number one in the nah. box office. Maybe you know? in, I'd say Inception's pretty close, don't you think? Totally. I mean, Chris, but that's Christopher Nolan. He's I, like, it's also like ten years ago already. Like he's the said. only person who gets to do that to yeah. like have these huge budgets and make these cool, smart movies that are good and entertaining and original. Yeah, yeah, and original. What's his, his next movie? Dunkirk. It's actually, I think it's a, he's taking a bit of a left turn. It's a war, it's about, um, it's a World War II movie. Yeah. It's about this, the British evacuation of soldiers. I and, liked uh, Interstellar. Oh, me too. I'll we see saw any, it together. Yeah, I'll see anything he does. Um, so I don't, I don't know, I, I, I assume Dunkirk's gonna, it's, it's, it, I think he's not doing, it's not a sci-fi movie unless he's going to like add, you know, <laughs> like a, like add time travel to World War II, but I'm sure it's, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say it's gonna be pretty good, but. Well, you know what I just noticed is there's this return to present button right on the machine. Oh, I missed it. The 
It's right wow. here. Look at you this. You should have said that before. Oh we we both have weird cancers now from all this radiation. <laughs> Let me just twist this. Whoa! And here we are back in our terrible present where wow, uh, there's four more Transformers movies have come out since we traveled back in time. Yeah. Uh, gotta catch up. Th- this is a long fucking podcast. This might be the longest one we've done. I feel great about it. We went through if three you summers. Made it all the way through. We went through three summers. Uh, thank you. You are a true fan, and I love you. Do you have? Let's just say quickly one movie from this summer. You you want to say like one thing about? I actually I, don't know that I do. I'm sure I do. I but the truth is, I just have not seen that much. I just moved back to New York, so I've been kind of like scatterbrained. I'm not. I'm just behind. And let's quickly mention why you moved back to New York, in case people don't know, because you you mentioned that uh, someone was mad about your show. Who was it giving you shit about oh, your show? Uh, Dennis Miller. Dennis yes. Miller. What show was Dennis Miller mad about? F- uh, I'm full front with the Samantha Bee. Which you're, you're writing for. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's, great. A, it's a great show. You're just, actually, I should introduce you this way, Emmy-nominated Pat Castles. That, thank you. Welcome yes. to the show, Emmy-nominated Pat Castles. Let's start the whole thing over. Uh, people didn't know. People, weren't, people didn't respect you at the beginning of the show. I should have mentioned that earlier. I know. I, no one, I'm sure no one's listening anymore. Uh, <laughs> and you, you missed my good thoughts on Twister. Um, well, congrats. No, yes. Thank you. So congrats on that. I mean, obviously the show's amazing and everyone loves it and it's great. So that's terrific. And it's great having you back in New York to talk about these shitty movies. Oh, no. These were good movies we did this year. Um... See, I don't remember what came summer? out this summer. Like, I want to answer that question. I know. Really like, all I can think about is Civil War. You know what? Let me briefly mention. You have like can five you bring, more. Can you, you bring up? You, 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 talk, up. you say what you're going to say. Yeah. I'll, I'll Google it. You right. talk. Uh, I saw. Here's an experience I can review. Also, what the hell is Lights Out? I'm oh, it's so a horror old. movie. It's a fogey. It's a horror movie. And that Lights Out has a trailer where like the trailer is actually pretty good. I saw it before. It's number three at the box office. Yeah, it's a horror movie. Uh, I think James Wan produced it, and I think maybe it's based on a short film that was on the internet. And the trailer's actually pretty good, because the sh- trailer does that thing like Twister, where it's like one scene from the movie, and it's like, I don't know, like, I saw it before Ghostbusters, and everyone, like, really stopped talking, like, paid attention to the trailer. Uh, okay, so I saw Civil War, and I saw Civil War. That's in New Captain America. Yeah, in a 4DX theater, and I want to <laughs> briefly talk about the 4DX experience. Uh, so this is a thing. We bought tickets because seeing a movie in New York is an absolute fucking nightmare. That's the number one thing I miss about Los Angeles. You got to get there super early to get a good seat. I'm pretty picky about my seat at a movie. I don't want to sit in the front. And like for like these big summer movies, you got to get there super early. But this one theater, Union Square, which is the worst movie theater on earth as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's really crowded. I actually think it might be the busiest movie theater on earth. It's here in New York. And they had this thing where you could buy reserved seats for this screening in Captain America, which is more common in other areas. Island Draft House, obviously. In L.A., a lot of theaters do it. Uh, but they had one theater where you could buy advanced seats. So we did that. And they were a little more expensive. We're like, whatever. It's worth it for not the hassle of showing up early and all this worrying. And But what we didn't realize was that we had purchased reserved seats for a 4DX screening, which means that the seats like have this like feedback and shake as you watch the movie. Uh, and actually, uh, my friend's wife couldn't go, couldn't join us because we realized, uh, after we realized what was going on, like read the website, she could not join us because she was pregnant and pregnant people can't sit in these seats because they really <laughs> fucking move. They're like, um, you know, like, uh, what's the, what's a motion, like Star Tours at Disneyland, you know, like a motion simulator. It's like a, like you gotta like step up into the seat. It's like a roller coaster ride and it is it was and you don't that that you don't want that to be the reason that you lost your child. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like listen the bad news is there's complications. The good news is I had a really awesome 4D experience. I also think it's they're really that is not an accurate description of what the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is not 
missed water. <laughs> so here's what you get when you see the movie. The seats move. Uh, there's some, there is indeed some water. There's some extra lights, because that's what you want during a movie is what extra lights going oh, on. Oh, Civil War, right? Yeah, some smoke. Um, there's like air holes next to your ears that shoot air, which are basically, so it's like the bullets are whizzing by you, but they're actually just loud. So it's just like a loud noise in your ears. You're watching the movie. It was, I mean, I still enjoyed Civil War. I managed to focus up on the movie, but it is so bad. It's like, you know, uh, the Russo brothers and the people that made Civil War, they really thought about making a good movie and they worked really hard at it. And it was very well considered, uh, that it would be a fun experience. Like they were, it's, this is like someone coming on later and being like, you know what this movie needs? More shaking and stuff. It's like it's like returning to an album. Here's my question. Here. Yeah, is there? Because I'm skeptical. It sounds like this was like. Is there a is there a possible good version no. of the 40 experience? No. Like because the movie. It sounds like the one you're describing is especially like poorly done. No. Well, it was just. But a, is there a good version of that? Was I don't like think the so. Subtle vibrations, maybe. It was like a rumble pack. It was so over the top. Like you know the Marvel logo. How it's like. Flip, 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 flip. Like yeah. each flip that was, was like, a really good impression of the Marvel logo. <laughs> Thank you. They, uh, seriously, each flip was like the seat vibrated, like on each flip, and I was like, uh oh, because that's like the first five seconds, and I was like, that's not a good sign. And it'd just be like a door would open and your sheets would shake. It was just so distracting. And like there was a scene with like a helicopter. The guy who like had programmed it ahead of time was like, "Oh, thank God! Like we're going fucking nuts." Or if it's like a scene where they're in the elevator, like, "Oh, I'll give him a little swirl, give him a little dip on this one, move him around a little." Just like the entire goddamn movie. Extra lights are distracting. The air things are distracting. It was a bad idea, poorly executed. I couldn't. Be- I I just uh, that's that's basically what I want to say is, and I actually think it gets worse because I was describing it to someone and they were like, "I saw that." For the Martian. Now, at least Civil War, which I thought was very good and has, you know, some non-action moments where they're talking, which I'm sure they did vibration and shit in. But, like, the the Martian is in a, a, an even worse movie to do that in. Like, the Martian's not yeah. even an action. Like, Civil War, at least there's, like, action and explosions. They jump in the water and shit. Like, the Martian, fr- like, is not a... Spe- yeah. The Mar- like the Martian does not need your seat shaking to yes. make it more immersive. You know that's like not making it more. It's immersive. meant for. It should only be reserved for like the most actiony of action movies. Yeah. My friend saw Ghostbusters in 4D, and he said that it was bad because it's a at heart Ghostbusters. Even though there's a lot of fun stuff in it, and it's an action, it's a comedy, and. It's you don't want some other elements totally. like to distract from the. I saw it, Ghostbusters. It ruined, in, he said it ruined jokes basically. I saw Ghostbusters in three dimensions, and I thought that was one dimension too many. Because <laughs> like I don't think comedy comedy should be simple. Like it should be not three three D. And there's also a scene. There's a scene in it that really bothered me, even though it's a small thing. Where there's like it's Captain like a lo- America. No, in Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yeah. where there's like a local news interview or whatever, and like the lo- the lower third of the local news is 3D, like off the screen. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not how lo- that's not how news works. The news isn't in 3D. Like, yeah. they're just like at- they're just like, oh yeah, make that 3D too, you know? Which shows I think was just it a shot level in 3D of or was it that that sort of like extra thing? It was do. just like it wasn't like bouncing out. It was just like floating above the actual interview, and it's like yeah. that's not what local news looks like. Like that's oh you know that like it took you out. It removed. It took you one step further, like really broke immersion. And yeah, I just think it's, I think it's bad. I think it was the first time I'd ever seen a comedy in 3D. And I think 3D does no favors to comedies. So you asked what movies from this summer. Yeah. And I realized I've seen so, so few on an airplane, Mm -hmm. on an airplane months, maybe a month after I saw Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, we already covered that on this podcast. We can't get into that again, but Um, it was bad, right? You hated it? Yeah, I didn't finish it. 
Correct. I fell asleep during it, and then I woke up, and like I fell asleep. I got like an hour into it, and then I fell asleep, and I woke up, and Doomsday and Wonder Woman were there, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I, so, I, I was awake so the much. whole time, and I had a similar reaction. But then, going back to March, I did see 10 Cloverfield Lane, and that was really good. Yeah, that was good, With yeah. you, I think, actually. Mm, yeah. No? yeah. That was good. And then Everybody Wants Some, which I loved. What's that? That's, it's Richard Linklater's movie. Uh, um, nice, yeah. It is basically like Days to Confuse to part two. Not literally oh, a sequel, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like kind of the same kind of movie. Yeah. Those came out the same weekend, and I love both of those movies. In 20 years, we can revisit them as an interesting pair. A strong march, but I've also, I uh, I can't emphasize how, it's. Um, I saw Popstar, that was a summer movie. Oh, you know, I saw Popstar. Did we, we see it together? Yeah, we did yeah. see it together. Oh, uh, everything I've seen in summer than you. I thought it was great. Oh, and it was awesome. I, I liked it after I saw it, but then I went on vacation, I was at Crater Lake with some friends who had also seen it separately, and we were like quoting it the entire time, and I was like, oh, I think I really liked, like, afterwards I was like, yeah, that's pretty good, but like, after like a week of quoting it, I was like, oh, I really liked it. I downloaded the soundtrack and legally, and it is great. Like it, it's yeah, it's because you really only get they only play like ten seconds yeah. of every song, and like to fully appreciate it, I feel like you need to listen to the soundtrack. Yes, uh, the sample they do like a sample of I think it's the Marcells, but it's just some like ba ba da ba, like just some like old fifties like doo-wop horseshit, and they sample it on the uh, I'm the most humblest song, and it's like a terrible sample like it's a goofy ass fucking thing but they really make it work like musically and I, really I didn't realize it was a sample I just thought that was like a yeah it's uh I think it's the Marcells anyway this is a two and a half hour episode of the podcast so maybe let's let's uh okay so yeah maybe, maybe. I was about to google 2017 and see what the future holds but uh but no uh, we're good uh well Pat thank you for recording a two and a half hour podcast with me no problem fun <laughs> Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show listeners, that is it for your annual summer movie review. It was a long one. Thanks for listening. Uh, I won't keep you much longer. I'll just let you know uh, that we got tons more fun Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show coming out uh, next episode in two weeks. You will be the first to know about it if you find me on Twitter, where I'm at Jeff Rubin Show, uh, on my Tumblr, on my Facebook fan page, or uh, JeffRubinJeffRubinShow.com, where you can get my email address. These are all fantastic ways uh, to contact me and let me know how wrong I am about Independence Day. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to Pat, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.